Attention. The movie guys love movies. Any comments about all the movies that made headlines at this year's Comic-Con are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right? Fantastic Four. Who? Was that this weekend? Yeah. Comic-Con? It, yeah. Honestly, it felt like it just didn't get as much press this time. What? Seriously. Is it, I mean, is it, is it just me? Because I don't pay attention to It may to be stuff? just you, so. but... No. Uh, but then again, on my Facebook what? feed, everybody I know is at Comic-Con. Is that true? Yeah. Well, Maybe Bart doesn't what's, go to movies. What's this Facebook you talk show? about? That might be part of the problem. <laughs> Plus, you, what's Facebook? You heard about the Star Wars trailer, right? Uh, yeah, or yeah. Star Wars panel. But it felt like it was Ford like was there, next or? weekend or something. Oh, yeah. Bill Murray showed up and was talking great things about Miley Cyrus. How did I miss it? Brandon? I don't know. Bill Murray did karaoke. He made the first headlines yeah. of the thing. He, he came in on Thursday night and was getting it done. Yeah. Did anyone here go? Paul, did you Paul, go? Uh, just for a day. For four hours. Oh, yeah. For four hours. <laughs> yeah. Money well spent. Well, <laughs> he, we had a show that night, so he couldn't go to it I this year. I can't not go. But even in our post-opening discussion, still no one's mentioned Fantastic Four. Uh, <laughs> that's the amazing thing. That I couldn't believe when they released it, because there was a big Suicide uh, Squad thing for yeah. that movie, yeah. and there was a big deal about, and they do it every year. I mean, they might as well do it. They might as well plan it out this way. Okay, somebody tape the trailer and then put it on the internet tomorrow so that we have an excuse to release the official trailer and then yeah. we get three days of headlines out of it, right? They do that every year. Yeah. So Suicide Squad, they're like, oh, I can't believe, just like last year, someone recorded the trailer just like last year and put it on the internet and now we have to put the new one just like last <laughs> year. My, my friend told me that he, they hire people to record the trailer yeah, you said from that. the studio so that they can release it on YouTube unofficially. Like but sneaky cam? They do, like they do a fake sneaky cam? Sneaky cam? It's yeah. a fake one. They bring oh. in a really good camera, record it, and then go stick it up on YouTube. I have no faith in anything anymore. <laughs> sneaky cam's faked. But no uh, Deadpool trailer yet, even though apparently no, it was true. the best trailer of yeah. in Hall H. But you got to feel some disrespect because nobody taped the Fantastic Four trailer and <laughs> no. put it on early. Not even the people who made it. But then they were. Oh. They didn't even fake the new the trailer. To its credit, the new trailer's better. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 good. I, fact, I just feel bad for it. It is kind of a, a, a tainted yeah. franchise. There <laughs> hasn't been a brilliant part of it. Yeah, yeah taint part. Paul said taint. Uh, and then uh, yes, but but this could be the time. I don't know. But now the whole uh, Josh Trank getting booted from Star uh -huh. Wars doesn't bode well for how he may have helmed this movie. I don't know, but. You know, it's a superhero movie. So we'll I know, I know, exactly. And and back in the day, this would be the only one you'd get all year, and you therefore it would become that much better. But right now, people can complain about the Batman and Superman We've had movie. Ultron. I mean, I'm good for We've the year. Ultron. If you put on anything else, it's gravy, you know. Go on. Everybody's in the Avengers. You sort of sounded like John Travolta. It's hey, gravy. It's hey. gravy. Hey. Hey. hey, welcome to the movie Showcast. Hey. Hey, I'm rocking and rolling and whatnot. Um, do you realize if we played by the rules right now, we'd be in gym? You've reached Ground Zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, characters, bits, special guests, and more as we broadcast from the Admirals Club in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. They don't stop making movies, so we don't stop making comedy shows about movies, which means you can get a new show every week on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Vimeo, YouTube, Player.fm, TuneIn, and of course... TheMovieGuys.net. Hold on, Paul. I was writing all those down. No, <laughs> Whichever one you're listening to, just come back to that one. Just, okay. just go to Google and look up the internet. Oh, good. You think wherever, the internet's on Google? Also, wherever you are, please like and share posts. Uh, you know, uh, Leave a comment, if you can, about how much you enjoy the show. We appreciate that. Uh, and st we still won't charge you, even if you do that. I know. One of these days, though, right, Paul? And if you like, One of these days. <laughs> if you like internet radio, we're on WBAD.net Fridays at 4 Eastern and iRise Radio Fridays at noon.
just before the Good big movies come out. Basically, just search the movie guys on Yahoo, Google, or Bing! Bing! And we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show on the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Adam Witt. Hello, I'm Adam Witt. I forgot to think of a funny movie line. <laughs> Karen Volpe. Big day, big hat. And Barkaius. I wouldn't go in there with that hat on. They'll kill you. Oh, I got one. Get that bitch, Leatherface. Get that bitch. <laughs> there you go. We had hat <laughs> ones. Oh, we did. We I both even... did. I didn't even listen to you. But well, yeah. as you can yeah. tell, Not everybody. Even. You're the best in your row. Thank you. Most people can't hear me with the whole orchestra playing. <laughs> what is that? We're all together again. <laughs> That's right. All of us are here. Nobody's uh, here. No, that's not Burl Ives. It's a Boy Scout song. Yeah, but I think it's Burl Ives singing. Is it really? Yeah, thank you're you. You're good. Sounds like Burl Ives. Sounds like Rain, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer guy. It's not Burl Ives. That's, that's not. These are children. Yeah. That's nice. Yes, we had several weeks where the whole we were not at full strength. We've had no. play rehearsals. We've had daytime recordings, which takes Auditions. people in and out of the show. Yeah. But the four of us are all here. Yeah, sometimes Thor has to go to Asgard. Sometimes Captain America has to go do something for S.H.I.E.L.D. But, you know, when they all get together... Ultra. Then most things blow up. <laughs> well, listen, we're coming back with a vengeance. We're not screwing around as we have a fantastic no. guest yes. lined up for yes. the second half of the show. Director of the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know what? That was pre-applause. I don't think anyone's ever gotten no, pre-applause. Yeah, I haven't even said who it is yet. We that's were just true. applauding. There he is. Jaleel White, who plays Urkel. You guys Yay! applauded. No, okay. uh, the, of course, the 2009 Friday the 13th. Yeah. Here to talk about a new film on demand now in DirecTV and in theaters in August. Marcus Nispel will be Very exciting. He's not one of the original monkeys, right? Correct. That's Marcus. No, no that's Nesbeth. Mark Nesbeth. Mike Nesbeth. Mike Nesbeth. Which is not really at all the same. Like okay. it had two letters, I think. This guy. Really. Unbelievable. Did you hurt yourself on the way here? Maybe have a small car accident we it's don't know about? Two Jeez, weeks. I hope so. <laughs> it's been two weeks. I have had a lot to build up in time. Thank you. All right, enough of that. All right, enough of that. Okay. Uh, so we've got big movies coming out, and as ever, we're here to prepare you for running out to the multiplex to check them out. And you can't spell monogamy without Amy. It's Amy Schumer. <laughs> <laughs> Blasting that theory out of the water in Trainwreck. And from Marvel Studios, the company that brought you Iron Man Woo-hoo. and America Man and Talking Raccoon Man, comes Ant-Man. Yeah. Imagine a soldier the size of an insect. The ultimate secret weapon. You give godlike powers to everyone, it's going to be chaos. So how do we stop him? I know a guy. <laughs> and the guy he knows is the guy from Role Models. I love that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Paul Who do Rudd. I know? I know that guy from uh, the 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> I like any plot that's put into motion with, I know a guy. I know a guy. guy. Clueless. You know what to do. And I like any trailer that ends its last ramp up with, we do it my way. This one doesn't, but yeah. I, there's like two trailers. <laughs> yeah. we but do there this, are some out there that you like that way. do that. Yeah. Those are the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, the first best is the guy who has a set of rules that he lives by. Oh, oh that's good. He does things a certain way. Transporter. Like Transporter. Yeah. Contraband. That's how he does things. Yeah. Actually, how funny would it be to just insert the phrase in trailers? Just like do a whole mashup where you've just... These are trailers that don't have the phrase, if we do this, we do this my way, but they should. And you just insert it in. What happened if we put it in there? I would like Bridget Jones' diary to have that. I have a certain set of rules and we do things my way. Would Safe Haven make $100 million if suddenly that's how the guy acts? Yes, probably. It'd get my twelve fifty. Exactly. Paul Blart. If we do this, we do, <laughs> do this it my way. way. <laughs> 
All right, well, listen, it's a big summer weekend with two films that are both tracking well, so let's get to the first one. Marvel is back with another big screen adaptation, Ant-Man. Okay, hold, hold, hold it right what? there. A, a superhero that is an ant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, like an ant. Mm-hmm. The tiny little insects that sound like Dave Foley. Yes, or Woody yes. Allen. <laughs> Ant-Man. Okay, and who is portraying this particular Ant-Man? Uh, uh, Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. You mean the guy from Anchorman? Yes, mm-hmm. Paul Rudd. Okay, so Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Paul Rudd plays a superhero that is an ant or ant-like. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Yes, yes, that makes sense. Good for you, Paul Rudd. Good for you. Can we go forward? I'm glad you analyzed that to death. Anchorman, what was his superpower? (laughs) Let's preview it. Just what makes that little old ant Think he can move that rubber tree plant. Was I the only one? Laverne and Shirley, right? Okay. Oh, enough yeah. of that. I love it. I love it. Get some real music going. I'll, I'll narrate for Marcus who doesn't have his headphones on. That was a clip from Laverne and Shirley. Okay, move on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Told you you're missing. You're missing out, Marcus. This week, Marvel aims to prove it's not the size that matters. It's the charm of the lead actor with Ant-Man. Paul Rudd plays Scott Lang, a petty criminal who's broken out of prison by Henry Pym, played by Michael Douglas. That's right, Michael Douglas, who joins Robert Redford, Jeff Bridges, and Anthony Hopkins in Marvel's gallery of respectable actors who would have literally urinated on the script for Batman Forever. (laughs) Henry Pym is a scientist who discovered particles that could shrink a man, presumably while working on a cure for the four-hour erection. This superhero, more than any other, relies on the idea of the willing suspension of disbelief. Because here we have a man that voluntarily wears a suit that makes him smaller. Think about it, H.I. Pym fashions a suit out of his invention only to have the villains steal it once they figure out that the suit could also be used for villainy. <laughs> so it's up to thief Scott L- so it's up to thief Scott Lang to steal the suit and become Ant-Man before Yellow Jacket can destroy the something with the technology. With Iron Man, we saw understatured Robert Downey Jr. put into a suit that made him larger than life. This time though, we have understatured Paul Rudd put into a suit that makes him even smaller. Time for a new agent, Mr. Rudd. (laughs) Marvel Studios cracks the code again, releasing a movie that would have ended superhero genre entirely if released in any other decade. Sorry, you can't make Iron Man. We're still on lockdown from Joel Schumacher's (laughs) Ant-Man. Roger Spottiswood's (laughs) Ant-Man. Juno Zwark's Ant-Man. Albert Pune's Ant-Man. And with Albert Pune, I think the I bit think is over. Yeah, that's the end of that bit. Now, for those who wonder how Marvel Comics can get away with doing films like Ant-Man, let, let us explain it with a dramatization. Oh, good. Uh, Adam, I love uh, that. Why don't, you play, uh, Mar- the, uh, <clears throat> why don't you play Marvel films? All okay. Right? okay. And Bart, okay. you're the clueless Hollywood executive. Hold on. Let me get into character. <clears throat> Done. Oh, this okay. is fun. I can't wait. I love Reader's Theater. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Marvel, a Marvel Comics movie. A Marvel Comics movie who? Let me back up this giant money truck, and I'll explain. Okay, go ahead. Pull it back. Beep. Go ahead, pull it back. Sorry, sorry, not interested. Superheroes are a fad. Thank you. Knock, knock. (laughs) Who's there? Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and the Avengers. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and the Avengers, who? Oh, I'm sorry. I can't hear you over all the cash filling this swimming pool made of diamond-encrusted gold. (laughs) Knock, knock. (laughs) Who's there? The Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, what the fuck is that? Ah, 
$774 million worldwide. The fuck is that? Knock, knock. Ah, uh, shit. Ant-Man. Ant-Man who? Who cares? $7.1 billion worldwide in merchandising profits and TV series and we to- and total ownage of all media avenues. Okay, fine, fine. You've been greenlit. Wow, that's all it takes to greenlight a movie? <laughs> yeah, that's a it's little, so easy. A lot of effort. Truckloads of money. There was a whole swimming pool. Took like a minute. <laughs> like a whole minute to convince him. That was not unlike Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> no, it was just like it. Theater. You see, you make up the scene. Yeah. I can see the house. Lake Wobegon, just full of money. Yeah. That's allow how you do audience. it. You allow the audience to fill it in. I mean, I don't know. What color was it? It helps, Marcus, if you close your eyes. Close your eyes, Marcus. <laughs> well, Nap if you want. Marcus in the green room. <laughs> Well, despite all that money, this is likely to be Marvel's least expensive film as, as the set pieces are all miniature. Zing! <laughs> oh, Paul. But there are plenty of comic book fans who know Ant-Man's many storylines. There are? Yes, Karen. Adam's among them. <laughs> Hi. Like when, <laughs> when Ant-Man was lured to the secret lair by a stick of butter Ooh. and then defeated by his arch nemesis, the shoe in the magnifying glass. <laughs> Upon hearing the news of Ant-Man's release, DC Comics rushed to announce its latest film, Uncle Woman. <laughs> That's stupid. Right. Is that the Caitlyn Jenner or, story? Or really dumb. Uncle Woman. That's really dumb. Anchorman. (laughs) Starring Paul Rudd will become the latest Hollywood star to find superhero success. If so, he'll be once again proving that Marvel Comics can do no wrong. Knock, knock. Who's there? Howard the motherfucking duck, the reboot. (laughs) Matter of time, right? Matter of time. Hey, he was in the... Credits of Guardians of the Galaxy. You think they were just like having fun giving us the uh, Howard cameo, or are they leading up to something? What? No, I don't what? think they're leading yeah, up. They're, to, they're not game. leading up to Howard Duck too. There was a Howard the Duck cameo and Guardians at the, of the end Galaxy. of Guardians of the oh. Galaxy. Oh yeah, I yeah. in the middle. If you're I had to pee, I had to leave. Oh yeah. well, you know. you didn't see it. Guardians that's what it, that's actually oh. what happened. I didn't see the whole thing. You yeah. didn't. Wait, what? What's wrong with <laughs> you? I thought I only didn't see the end. It uh-huh. turns out I didn't see the whole thing. Okay, mm, right. There's a talking raccoon in it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I have to watch when I say everybody saw that about things because it wasn't on TBS yet. Yeah. So he hasn't seen it. Everybody no. saw. It. Wait. Wait. Mm, Grandpa Kaiser. Are we doing? What did you see this week? Because I got some great, Not yet. great TBS stuff. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> keep it. Keep it ready for us. Is that going to happen? Hot and okay. loaded. Yes, of course. How cool is this? Ant-Man? I'll Uh, I'll start the conversation. How awesome is this? All right. Ant-Man. They've made it. Wow. Was it a... Was it a a tough call to have him uh, not be in the Avengers when they first brought the Avengers movies out? Ant-Man? Yeah. Why didn't they just squeeze him in there? Or did they... You think... I mean, it's a tough call, I think, to launch him in his own movie. Yeah. Of all the properties. Well, here's a little backstory on this one. Back in 2008, back when everyone was doubting that Iron Man could make money, because who's that? And that really was the critical uh, assumption of that. It was like, oh, th- this is the only comic book fans know who Iron Man is. Well, it turns out you can make a good Iron Man movie, much like you- every movie's an origin story. This is what's so weird. Comics get this weird little thing. It's like, I don't know. I didn't know who Anchorman were before Anchorman. You know what? That's a really good point. <laughs> Going back to Bridget Jones, we didn't know who she yeah, was exactly. until we saw the movie. Uh, nine to five. You guys are doing nine to five. Is that well, the origin yeah. story? Well, nobody asks yeah. that in regular movies, You're right? Right. right. <laughs> point. But anyway, but at that same time, when Marvel was just getting started, (laughs) Edgar Wright wanted to do Ant-Man, and Marvel had no reputation yet or whatever, and and there's Edgar Wright, you know, the director of uh, uh, Shaun of the Dead, and... uh, The Perfetto, is that what they're called, the trilogy? The Cornetto Trilogy. Cornetto Trilogy, thank you. And uh, so, yeah, so they they get the ball rolling on this, and it's going to be an Edgar Wright project, and, you know, Edgar Wright with his very... 
Stop you you there if you're watching an Edgar Wright movie, you know it's an Edgar Wright movie. Yes. Because it looks like Scott Pilgrim. Because <laughs> it looked like Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and but then once he did that's a comic book adaptation. So once he does that, the 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 ebb flows or whatever. Yeah, the, the then it's like ebbs. get that guy for Ant Man. <clears throat> yeah, say it, Karen. Exactly. Say it. I have say, a question say what about, I am thinking. I don't know if I actually have a legitimate question. Oh. I might not be helping you. Are we talking movies too much? Go ahead. No, no, I'm going to talk Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> I got a great fart story. Because I, I've never uh, much like Iron Man. I didn't sure. know anything about that, but I loved Robert Downey Jr. and the whole thing yeah. just caught my imagination and. I'm in 100% now, and I want him to have his own adventure movie with the Hulk, but hopefully that'll happen. <laughs> but with ants, uh, just the little I know about them, they work as teams and they become stronger. Is there just one Ant-Man, or is there many of them that can do lots of cool shit? There How is, does that work? There is one Ant-Man mm-hmm. who I believe can corral actual ants. He can control <gasps> ants. Uh, well, so can so I. I just leave a cookie on the ground. <laughs> I got, I got them all over the place. I can, I can, yeah. I can get them into any bedroom I want. That's, so that's all he does is yeah. leaves cookies. Yes. Wow, Paul Red's a genius. Say, yeah. I've summoned ants. You, have, you have cut right to the the, the, the heart of this thing. We need to get you a development deal. How does this movie not take place at a picnic? Ah, right, this is bullshit. Grandpa Kaius right. wants to know. Yeah, Grandpa. So, so you only need one Ant Man, and then he one. helps to get the other ones. Kind of like that guy with the dolphin, the swimmy guy. It would be Aquaman. Yes, Aquaman. Very now, we're here for you. Kim. Watching Thank the you. the dolphin trailers. swimmy guy was their original <laughs> name for him. <laughs> yeah. It didn't fit on the poster. It didn't fit on the poster. Uh, didn't the scale seems well. to be off a little for me what from is? scene to scene. It's hard to tell. They get tiny. Well, no, yeah. he gets tiny, but the scale of him to other things. Because he's supposed to be an ant, and then yeah. there's a time yeah. where he's like smaller than an ant scale-wise. All I'm saying is it looks like it looks so, like from a, an effects standpoint, from a CGI computer yeah. standpoint, they may have not quite hit the mark. He can control. Or, he can control his size. Okay, oh, so he can be a little bigger, smaller, whatever. So he's not always either human or ant. <laughs> he shows up. At, he's yeah, five exactly. two for a while. <laughs> so exactly. sometimes he's just five two. He's five he's two. He's just that guy who's just a little too short. <laughs> Awkward. One thing can be sure though. <laughs> You cannot underestimate Marvel. Oh, this will be huge. Not. I thought you were going to say Paul Rudd. <laughs> you cannot underestimate Paul Rudd. I him loved either. him. I love Paul Rudd. In the body, not body good. What's that called? With the in role models. In role models. Yeah. Holy shit! What a wonderful, heartfelt movie that was. But as, as a Robert Downey Jr. fan, mm-hmm. are they not nailing it again with this casting? That's Nobody's doing with this Paul Rudd. DC's not like, oh, we got to get Paul Rudd. They didn't even think of him. You know, they go for the super serious gravitas guys like, you know, Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill and those yep. sort of people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, taking somebody funny or, or, or charming like this. you know, And, and early and, word is the movie is very funny, too. So yeah. he, that, it'll be, it'll win oh. over everybody. Oh. Oh, yes. The important thing is when, when Edgar Wright left, uh, they brought in uh, Adam McKay to do a draft. Oh, great. Of so it's going the back to great Anchor Adam Man. McKay from Second City and... and yeah. uh, Writer, director, and full of bees. And mm-hmm. He funnied it up. Yeah. Funnied that well, look, crap if Marvel can it. make Ant Man cool, not that long after they put Rocket Raccoon on screen, then only Ooh. and only seven years since early critics declared Iron Man too obscure, we arrived at no limit to whom Marvel can successfully put on screen. But how much do you know about the back catalog of Marvel characters that will absolutely someday be put on the big screen? Can Let's I go on record out. as saying no? Well, nothing. nothing. I know nothing. You know nothing. Let's find out the more interesting way. <laughs> oh, okay. By throwing things over to our superhero movie expert, Adam. Oh, Whoa. Adam, a game. Oh. Woo! I would like to run a little game here. Oh, Anybody okay. can play, by the Anybody? way. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you play. sitting there with oh, me. Hello. <laughs> Well, that's because I don't have my super long uh, Gene Rayburn microphone <laughs> to indicate that <laughs> I am the... Uh, I'm only kissing all the contestants. Thank you. There it is. 
All right. Thank you all. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, I will now name off okay. four superheroes, but only one of them is a Marvel superhero that, of course, being a Marvel superhero, will someday be under development. Okay. Be, well, right. I already have questions. So someday this right. will be a movie. Okay. Go ahead. Are, are These first, are all... First question. I thought I was going to answer those. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to ask those. You're going to give us four... Is, are yeah. they all? Are three of them completely fake or just not Marvel heroes? Three of them are completely, completely fake. fake. I did okay. not do the DC fakery or anything. Or like, like Tick. That. They're not like Tick yeah, supervillains. No, okay. these are ones I made up, and then one is actually okay. a Marvel superhero. And one of them is a side effect to oh. Ambien. I, I don't know. If, and one of them is a side effect to Ambien. <laughs> all right, and, go ahead. Uh, and I shouldn't say a Marvel superhero. At some point in the comics continuity, they have okay. fought crime in costume in the Marvel okay. comics. All right, yeah, let's have a game. All right, here are the four. <laughs> I'm going to be guessing, so let's just go. Your question. Here are the four. You're going to lose, so let's just get to it. Spider Dog, <gasps> Octopus Lad, Snake Face, or Squirrel Girl. Wow, one of them is real? It sounds like three of them are real and only one of them is fake. Nope, one's real. I really want Spider Dog to be real. Right, don't you? That's kind of where I went, too. I'm going to say no to that. Because Spider Dog is that little guy on the internet who's dressed like a spider and he runs down and scares people because they're waiting for the train or whatever. Right, right. I'm going to go with Squirrel Girl. Ah. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. What what were the other ones? Uh, Octopus Lad and Snake Face. I'm going to say Octopus Lad because it's the weirdest. (laughs) I bet you he helps out Aquaman with stuff. Oh, wait, no, Marvel, he said. Oh, okay. Back in the day, they used to add the word lad. I love yeah. that there was an aqua lad. Aqua I love lad, they went yeah. lad. All right, what do we got? All right, what we have is, uh, this is, oh, very good. Squirrel Girl is the correct <laughs> Squirrel answer. Squirrel Girl? There you go. There's Squirrel Girl. I brought visual examples. Oh. There, there she is in her army of squirrels. Out of the gates, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Preston. Wait, out of what? the gates. That makes that sense, is, though, because that's pretty hot, her that being is, dressed like a squirrel. That is one point for It's like when Bugs Caius. Bunny dressed up as a woman. The, the it's be- always hot, yeah. From All the right. Beatrix Potter uh, <laughs> superhero collection. All right, next one. <laughs> Which of these is a Marvel superhero? Okay. The Yeti, the Abominable Snowman, Sasquatch, or bewildered beast. <laughs> well, the bewildered beast is amazing. Thank you. It has <laughs> to be That's a cartoon, I, if nothing else. I know it's bewildered beast. I think is I know. That one. I think I know that one. That's the greatest name. Yeah. Is it Bewilderbeast? Beast? You have consensus from the Admiral's Club. Bewilder Beast will be going into development from me because I made that one up because ah! it's actually Sasquatch. Oh, wow. Sasquatch oh. is the actual... Sasquatch has 70s Sasquatch. porn crotch hair. Yeah, he does. He, <laughs> he does need hair. to crop it up a little what? bit. Wow. <laughs> well, look at that muff. Oh, yes, my dear. He definitely did come out in the 70s, Karen. Good call. Oh he is a member of uh, the uh, superhero team Alpha Flight, which is oh. the Canada's X-Men. Who do we oh. cast as uh, as Sasquatch if we make that movie? Um, ooh, hmm. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. <laughs> Julianne Moore. I'm still I'm still thing? going okay. 70s Bush. And She's rangy. And it's orange. And it's orange. And it's orange. It has a little page boy, too. And, and she's rangy. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the way to go. Julianne Moore's rangy, right? Yeah, she's, She'd be good, honestly, seriously. And, and you can Oscar make her, winner. you know, you can put some mm-hmm. dots on her face, do the whole digital thing, make her all big, you know, and she still her performance. <laughs> what else? All right, all right, here we go. Which of these is an actual hero? Jade Jaws, Obsidian Face, Diamond Head, or Crystal Gale? <laughs> <laughs> I have well, her album. she's a country hero, if nothing else. <laughs> Give me the first three again. <laughs> Jake Jaws, Obsidian Face, or Diamond Head? I'm going to say Diamond, Diamond oh, Head. Diamond Head is a place, that's a, isn't it? That's a place where you ski, right? It's a hard ski hill. No, Diamond Head is a beach down in Waikiki. No lad in there? Anywhere? No lad in there uh, because it is, in fact, Diamond Head. Ooh. Oh, it is Diamond Head. 
Is it Diamond Head? That's the Diamond beach? Head, who I believe was originally a member of the Guardians Hawaii. of the Galaxy. Is he made of diamond? The original one. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because how the hell do you ever beat he that He is guy? a jewel thief who got bathed in some sort of ray, which turned no. him into diamond. No. Talk about an O. Henry irony. No, that's craziness. <laughs> that, <laughs> what? Wow. Why are you... Hey, o. Henry reference. And, and nobody is, but... <laughs> I think he was rich. Oh, my gosh. All right. Which of these is a... Oh, there's more. Oh, there's more. The last one. The game continues. last one? Last one. Oh, last one? Oh, I got a a funnier last one. Let me me skip down a few here. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, do Um, that thing where Jay Leno skips to the funny joke. Okay. Skips to the funny jokes. Let me do... I'm going to do two more, okay? Okay. I thought this one was funny. Which of these is a Marvel superhero? Goose, Maverick, Iceman, (laughs) or Jester? (laughs) (laughs) Now, wait a minute. (laughs) Is Jester an actual Top Gun name? Iceman. I think it is. Yeah, it's Iceman, Iceman, right? It's Iceman. Oh, okay. It's Iceman. Yeah, I do have a picture. That was a very funny of one. Of Iceman there. Iceman okay. looks like Diamond Head. And fi- <laughs> they're very similar. They call, they call Diamond Ice. Look, right? There are only, are only so many ideas in the world, Karen. Yeah, right. make them. Okay. And, and finally, yes. I, I thought this was a good way to go out here. Uh, so I will, not, I will not do the story about uh, Asbestos Lady, who's a real one. <laughs> I will not do the Great Lakes Avengers question. <laughs> and I will not do uh, Spy Smasher. Okay. Uh, which of these is a Marvel superhero who will soon be in a Marvel movie? Batrock the Leaper, Whiplash, Dum Dum Dugan, or Man Thing? Mm. I want to say I've seen Man Thing on a cover. I picture it. No, that's Dum another Dum. '70s porn. Man Thing. <laughs> Dum Dum Dugan sounds like um one of those I've little heard that suckers. That you, I've heard that. Dum Dums are those suckers that you get that are real small and you crunch them real fast. But I've heard Dum Dum Dugan before. <laughs> Like that sounds like a Boy episode. Scout. That's like Dick Tracy, though. Oh, yeah. I'm going with know. whatever the other one was. I <laughs> Man Thing? Yes. Man Thing. Great trick question. They have all already been in a Marvel <gasps> oh, movie. No! Batrock the Leaper was in Winter Soldier. <laughs> Whiplash was in Iron Man 2. Oh, my God. Dum Dum Whiplash. Dugan. Duh, yeah, yeah. Dum Dum Dugan is in Captain America, the first one. And Man Thing was a movie before Iron Man that somebody bought the rights to wow. and made a movie. Wow. Okay. Anyway, so there's there the we game. Go. That's... Nobody wins. Everyone Nobody loses. Wins. We're all losers. <laughs> We're all losers. <laughs> all right, on to the next uh, film here. Our next film is Trainwreck. Woohoo! Where comedian Amy Schumer wins the prize for the most critic-proof film title of all time. Yep. Congratulations. <laughs> Let's preview this, Karen. Now, the trailer for Trainwreck says this is not your mother's romantic comedy. Wow, they are psyched about that Oldsmobile. <laughs> if you don't already know Amy Schumer, well, get ready to, because the smart star of the Honest Un-PC sketch show Inside Amy Schumer is about to make her jump to the big screen in a smart, honest, un-PC movie. In Trainwreck, Amy Schumer plays a modern woman with no shame in her walks of shame, which is almost every morning. Schumer brings an honesty to this movie that is rarely seen by fully owning a presentation of regretless sex that can now be shown on screen thanks to the lifting of the new Hays Code in 2014, which previously banned the image of women enjoying casual sex in the cinema. (laughs) For the men out there who are shocked at this turn of events saying, women are having that much sex, the correct response is, yes, clearly not with you. That's a thought I was having. Right? (laughs) As a child, Amy was told by her father repeatedly that monogamy isn't realistic. Monogamy isn't realistic. Monogamy isn't realistic. Okay, male activists, of which there is nothing sadder. (laughs) 
This is your cue to call her a mouthy horror who should know her place. <laughs> but if you do, be sure not to catch any of the irony. <laughs> what if this movie was about a guy doing what he wants, sleeping around with a bunch of women? Would you call him a slut? No, you'd call him Matthew McConaughey. Been that way since one monkey looked at the sun and told the other monkey, he said, for you to give me your fucking share. <laughs> That was a drop from True Detective. Oh my god, that was amazing. I guess even the internet refuses to quote any of McConaughey's romantic comedies. So. Thank you, internet. If Brett Ratner were directing this, I'd still have one foot in the Admiral's Club and one already in line for this incredibly modern comedy. But instead, it's directed by a modern comedy master known for his positive portrayals of women, Judd Apatow. You might know him from everything he does being great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Maybe. that guy. I that know guy. Him. But what would a romantic comedy mm-hmm. be without someone to turn the cynical lead around in the ways of love. Aww. Well, that's Bill Hader. He enters the picture in another welcome sexual role reversal. Hader plays a sports doctor. It just so happens to be best friends with LeBron James. LeBron to the hoop for the win! He got it! It's over! Amy Schumer plays a writer at a men's magazine, presumably called Boner. When Amy is assigned to write a profile on a sports doctor for her magazine, she falls for him. So the girl that sleeps around finally settles down with an amazingly successful doctor that hopnobs with sports celebrities. Hmm. That's called keeping it real for everybody. The film co-stars John Cena, Dave Attell, and... Number 23, LeBron James. Okay, listen, I get it. Bart... You're from Cleveland, so why don't you... Well, you know, LeBron James is best known for being 6'8", mm-hmm. weighing 250 pounds, right. and possessing the speed of a cheetah, the grace of an eagle, and the agility of a mountain goat, while averaging over 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists per game. Suck it, Golden State! Enjoy your hollow victory! If we had a full team, you'd be home... Bart, ease second. down. Whoa. Ease down. You're going to throw a transaction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reference. I do, however, look forward to LeBron James' next movie where he leaves this director and studio behind to be in a movie that has a better chance at winning an Oscar. Oh, oh nice. Okay, that hurt. Sorry, last, that was that hurt. painful. Last word. But very articulate. <laughs> Tom this, Brady's a cheat. Dope. Oh. Oh. All right. Oh, yeah, this cheat. is one refreshing-looking movie and that it might be a purposeful reaction to slut-shaming mm. and maybe just an exercise in honesty from a couple of comedy masters. There you go. I think so. I think so. Looks funny, uh, right? Looks. I'm gonna see the shit. It out looks of like it. it's yeah. gonna be uh, uh, one of the best. It looks like it's gonna be remembered forever. This is such a modern, current comedy with mm-hmm. her and. You know. you know, I wish I had seen uh, the Walk of Shame movie. What was it called? I was what? just gonna talk about that Walk of Shame. Was it called Walk of Shame? Yes, Walk and Shame. if you remember correctly, in all the promotions for that, she was also wearing a yellow dress. She was like oh. insanely hot and running around all in night. In a yellow dress, but it looked yeah. like it might have been funny, and I would like to mm-hmm. have seen that. And then watch this. Well, you still can. In like There's two years. Netflix. <laughs> There's Netflix. I'm just saying. It's not on TBS. Oh, okay. But you could I don't have to that. leave the house for that one? Well, okay. no, not no. for the Walk of Shame. Then you have to wait until this one comes on TBS to watch it. But. Best news about this? Apatow directing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think his best stuff is when he's behind the, the camera. You're I, knocked up. You're 40-year-old virgin. Funny people. Yeah. Et cetera. Uh, this I, is 40. I love that, too. I, I love know, This is 40. I, you know, I, I like that movie. It wasn't as big a hit as the others. But also when he's got a great collaborator, like I think him and Amy Schumer are going to get along famously on the screen. I mean, she's going to give him gold to craft with. Yeah, I mean, I think they're. I think that's going to be a great duo. I, I, I would like to. I, I bet they do a lot of movies together. I have a feeling this really. And this is strange. Sort of like cameos. 
thread that runs through all of his movies that he does well. You know, like Carell shows up and knocked up on the red carpet, and yeah. uh, Eminem showed up, I think, in This Is Forty, right? Or or Funny People? I think he was in Funny People. Oh, it's just like all the different cameos, and they're all handled well. And that's, so I think all the sports cameos this in this will be funny. Yeah, I love that Bill Hader is the one she falls for because he's just a normal guy. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that's really strong because um. In movies where the men are the stars, they never fall for a normal girl. And even if she's a normal girl, she's super friggin' crazy hot. The Adam Sandler effect. Yeah. The, oh, totally yeah. Adam Sandler effect. Yeah. Bill Hader, well, when he makes not his- the hottie who's pretending, you know, he's not pretending to be something ugly. And he's just a normal guy. And but that's great. when he great. makes his own movie, that Amy Schumer is going to be Elizabeth Banks. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That'll happen. Uh, real quick, before we get to our guests, because we got a lot to talk about Woo-hoo! with our guests today, I wanted yes. to bring up this book real quick, The Real Truth. Yes. They are kind enough to uh, help us out um, <clears throat> and uh, do some sponsoring for the show. Sponsor. So the next month we'll be uh, profiling <clears throat> this book. It's by Reed Martin, available mm-hmm. at Amazon.com. The full title is, to get all you... Uh, uh, movie makers out there excited. The Real Truth, Everything You Didn't Know You Need to Know About Making an Independent Film. Mm-hmm. So it's right up a movie guy's alley, right. and hopefully uh, something you aspiring filmmakers will consider picking up. And I just wanted to fire up a quick discussion about uh, one of the chapters this week. Chapter 3 is, First You Get the Money. Yeah. Why is that, that chapter 3? That should be chapter 1. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? Right. <laughs> well, he's talking well, they, about... They might have wrote the, wrote the script first. Oh. <laughs> and budgeted it. Are you oh, sure? I, I'm going to guess uh, chapters one and two, write a script, budget it, <laughs> get the money. Right? Right. Well, they have... This is why I didn't write the book. Actually, it's more practical than that. Actually. Introduction would be one of those. Well, yeah. No, but he also has something about writing business plans and doing all sorts of stuff yeah, like that before you get going. Very smart guy. Yeah. Sure. Um, it, but I want to read something here. Uh, first of all, the, the term is indie, uh, independently financed films. I yeah. guess that has moved that on from uh, indie film. Indie. Yeah, just to say, what, say you know, it gives you more of a proper description for some of gotcha. these movies. Because you, know, you see movies in Sundance with like a huge oh, star, but well, yeah. independently financed, outside the studio system. So mm-hmm. get your terminology right, right at the top of this. Um, the only thing preventing a waiter, a barista, or an unemployed dreamer from becoming a filmmaker is the money needed to shoot a film. Money attaches cast, secures locations, attracts talented crew, and generally separates actual filmmakers from the thousands of wannabes who will not end up at Sundance or Con. Um, it's the single financing is the single most important goal of any filmmaker since it often determines everything else: the shooting format, the lighting package, the level of cast, the start date, and whether a film will make it through post production. Now that's coming right from the author's mouth, um, and it kind of. Sets you back going, okay, I got to be producer as well as whatever. So that's another thing I think you want to keep in mind right out of the gate. If you want to write and direct a film, maybe you shouldn't produce unless you really love the stuff he's talking about. And there's some people that are great at producing. They just have that muscle where they're able to get behind a project and really see how it could be bigger or get financing for it. And they come up with really creative ways to do that. Does he talk about OPM? Other people's money. Yes. Other people's money. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you different ways to get I think it. In this whole article. I mean, is there good? Because I think that's one of the mistakes a lot of people make is they go, well, I got, I got some money. I maybe, maybe I can use that. Maybe I'll do that. No, no. You need to live on that. You need to go make your movie with somebody else's. money. I'll tell you why the book wins because Reed, although he's very knowledgeable and writes mm-hmm. very well, doesn't go on the whole book. It's a, there's a lot of case studies, a lot oh, of interviews okay. with working filmmakers. I mean, in the in this uh, chapter alone, there's Doug Lyman, yeah. uh, Matthew Vaughn gets interviewed, Baz cool. Luhrmann. Oh, and cool. there's more Ooh. and more and more throughout the whole book of people telling stories. In fact, Doug Lyman talked about like the fact that they couldn't get the money they wanted for Swingers yeah. meant they made a better movie. Right. Yeah. You know, and when they wanted to make Go, it has a huge car chase in it. So suddenly a $200,000 movie has to be like $3 million or something like that. And he said, well, we can do all the other parts of the movie that are just like Swingers 
for about two hundred thousand. <laughs> then we have we'll have what two point eight left over for the car chase. Will that be enough? And sure enough, you, you know. know sometimes having those limitations forces you to be more creative. Uh, th- I mean, yeah. you think that people have trouble getting money because nobody's heard of them as a director, but back when Alfred Hitchcock was starting out, he also was having difficulty getting the funding he needed. Mm-hmm. And so there's times where we all know about him making these cameos in his movies, but that started because he would be trying to put together the budget for his movie and he couldn't afford as many extras as he needed. Yeah. And so instead of calling in extras, he would go and do it himself. Yeah. And then he became recognized for it. And so then people started having him do it. And it was out of necessity because of budgets when he started. And then sold that as a brand. As a brand. Really? I mean, exactly. So, yeah, turn that into an entirely and be- into a and, positive. And I mean, he wasn't sitting around going, oh, how can I put myself in the movie? But then it became something that he was known for. Yeah. Not to go, not to go big budget, but obviously very famously on Jaws. That because that giant mechanical shark didn't work most of the time, they would have opportunities to sit down and get interpersonal reactions yes. and, and, and looks. And, and do the storytelling from the point of view of the people instead of just the scare technique. Which ultimately what people still talk about to this day, much more than the shark. And on one other cool thing, because Jaws was um, supposed to be released in December of 74, they had so much difficulty with Bruce and Mechanical Shark that it was pushed back, 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 and then it became the very first summer blockbuster. It was released in the summer of 75, and they attached it. Because, again, the producers are trying to figure out now how do we sell this thing. So they attached it to everybody going out and enjoying their summer vacation. And now we have summer blockbusters. Yeah. Hard to believe that they would, they would want the movie to come out in the Wait, How insane time. would that be during Christmas. <laughs> if that came out during Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But there's all sorts of cool stuff in here. I mean, the, they go on about how Robert Rodriguez is El Mariachi. You know, how much mm. was that made for, Adam? 25000 Oops. I'm not Adam. Seven. Oh, seven thousand. Seven thousand. By the time you I get to clerks. see it, Columbia Pictures has to put like a million into <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, yeah. So you what? start with a low budget movie, but it still doesn't have a but big, uh, low budget. But it's all about the story. But it's all about yeah, the story. It always oh, has absolutely. to come down to the yeah, story. Exactly. Yes, and with that, I'll leave you with this. Um, this is from Marion Coltai Levine of Picture House. She says, "You have filmmakers who say I want to make a movie about the most depressing thing you could possibly think of, but I think it's interesting." And by the way, I'm not going to have a happy ending, an uplifting message, or a scene where the protagonist gets to win even for a moment because it's cooler or because that's keeping it real. But the questions filmmakers should be asking themselves are, what movie are you comparing yours to that worked that way? (laughs) (laughs) A good mindset if you're an indie filmmaker. And that's just uh, one of the many uh, interesting uh, chapters in this book, The Real Truth. And we're going to cover more of them as the weeks go on. But another thing, let's get on to our guest. guest We want to talk to Marcus, uh, and we're going to take five seconds of break and get him back here, and uh, we'll get chatting with the director of Exeter. Here we go. Marcus has wandered off. Get him back here, Paul. I almost whomped him with his hat. Oh, I want to know what's going on underneath that hat, Marcus. A lot. What is going on? It's a party. There is a lot going on down here. I want to know what's going on up there, man. Of course you do. Yeah, I do. Nobody gets to look under the hat. Yeah, <laughs> All right, we're always excited to, be, uh, to get a guest on here. It was a brand new project. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we'll talk with anyone, but we're psyched today to talk to the, <laughs> to talk to the director well of Exeter. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't want I don't want people to think, hey, I don't have a project. Maybe I shouldn't come talk to the movie guys. Well, that's true. That's true. Talk to us anyway. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> be on your show. But we're very excited when uh, someone's idea. Yeah. This is a new movie, Exeter, which is available on demand on DirecTV. Mm-hmm. It'll be coming to theaters in August. And he's also the director of countless music videos and commercials, the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2009 yeah. Friday the 13th, as well as Conan the Barbarian mm-hmm. 3D. Wow. With Jason mm-hmm. Momoa. Marcus Nispel, everybody. Yay. Yay. Marcus. So cool. But, but, 
By the way, I never thought I would ever hear Oh Henry and Janet Swart being referenced in the show. <laughs> I want to be on the show. That is the movie guys right there. We will make references to Oh Henry and Janot Zwark, the director of Jaws 2 and Supergirl, by the way. <laughs> you know Santa, that reference? I'm in good company. You know that reference? Oh, and that's Santa fantastic. Claus the movie. And Santa Claus the movie. Yeah, oh my god. Very good. <laughs> all right. So today we're yeah, we're talking about Exeter. Uh, tell us what it's all about, Marcus, because I believe you wrote the story for this as well as directed, correct? In theory, uh, 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 look, um, to go back how it all came together, Steve Schneider of uh, Paranormal Activity fame, you know, the producer. Oh, he, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in search of redemption, and he goes like, look, make a movie for a million bucks, and if you can make it for nothing, oh. you know, you, 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 you get the job. And I said, look, I know two things that it's not going to be. It's not going to be a remake. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be a found footage movie. <laughs> so yep. that's how we set out. Yep. And, and, and that was sort of a big challenge for Steve and for me. And um, he says, so, you know, if you could do anything you would want to do, what would that be? And I go like, well, look, the, the scariest movie I can think of for me always was The Exorcist. So I'd love to do something mm. about an exorcism. But yeah. it always happens to very accomplished kind of households senators, movie stars like Alan Burstyn. Mm-hmm. It never happens to the people that actually go and see those movies. Yes. What would happen if evil grabs them by the balls? Well, because yeah. it happens to those, it happens to people that deserve it. That's right. right. People we like to see yeah, stuff senators, yeah. horrible people. <laughs> Congressmen, the well-off. That's right. One percenters, here's your possessed child. Let me play a little, a uh, couple of quick clips from the trailer to give you an idea of the people this is happening to. You're still fucking around up there. Yeah, dude, it's a nightmare. No one set foot in there in like a decade. No way. Why not? No cops, no neighbors. It's perfect. There's been a situation. If, if you have any holy water, you might want to bring it. <laughs> so, yeah, you did a 180 from Ellen Burstyn. These are your horror movie teens doing the wrong thing in the wrong place who have to deal with the exorcism. I, I, I almost wanted to stand up and cheer when they decided to have a party at an abandoned asylum. I mean, you have me at that. As a horror fan, I'm like, you had me at, let's have a party at an abandoned asylum. They told us for for tax reasons we had to, it was suggested that we would shoot in Rhode Island. And I said, well, Rhode Island is sort of like a Dennis the Menace kind of a world, white big fencing. It's not scary, right? So I Googled, Scary places in Rhode Island, <laughs> and Exeter popped up oh, like okay. crazy. It said it's Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this location. I mean, the location really is kind of the star of the movie, also oh, yeah. because it's yeah. it's 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 miles of corridors of of just uh, terror. That the look of the movie is really awesome. Well, we wanted something <laughs> where people could be contained, and uh, well, insane yeah. asylums where you get to lock them away. But as the story goes, when we wrote it. Uh, it was uh, Kristen Elms, by the way, uh, uh, Kristen McCallion now, she got married. When when she wrote it, she says, okay, uh, it's an old insane asylum, but there was a fire, and then uh, they're renovating it now, and there was a rehab, and now they're renovating it. That's sort of like our sequence. So we arrive at the place, we're scouting it, and I see some people sort of like moseying around, and they say, oh yeah, um, there was a fire, and... <laughs> Then they reopened it as a rehab. And I go like, that's oh, okay. exactly what we had in our story. Uh-huh. So as far as scary goes, this yeah. was the closest thing to paranormal. Mm-hmm. It was complete osmosis. So yeah. the place really was fit like a glove. And so all the locations in the movie are in that building. 
circumstances. No, pretty much. Actually, an odd thing happened throughout halfway through. They condemned one of the buildings for more than half of our sets. <laughs> And oh, every wow. night it wasn't until you showed up, every, though. Yeah, there's one room where you will see where they have a party early yeah. on. Yeah, that's the same room where they later did uh, the Ouija board. That's the same yeah. room yeah. where later. I mean, that one got, got redressed overnight. Oh. No, it was another building, oh, okay. and so every room had to do quadruple duty. Oh wow! <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Well, you mentioned uh, you're mentioning some great things that are in the movie. There's an exorcism. That's what I was going to say. There are, I, there's that, a Ouija board. You got to have that. There's a Ouija board. That that was the great thing about it is like it's not a remake. It's but it makes awesome nods to some of the some of the most wonderful elements yeah. of horror movies. You got to have it all in this. You got exorcisms. You got uh, the Living Dead. You got right uh, at the beginning. You get a super hot chick that we don't even know what's going on, but I'm like she's gorgeous. Yeah. Right well, away, they, we get that. Well, they, they, they experiment with the occult, and at the end of the first act, most of these exorcism movies, they all get together and say, exorcism in this, this day of age? What is an exorcism? Mm -hmm. Like, they never heard about it. Yeah. These guys know exactly yeah. what's going on. They saw the movie. Right. So they're renting <laughs> oh, the movie. Yeah. They're looking. They're referencing this throughout. So that's the other thing that hardly ever happens in those movies is um, cell phones and iPads conveniently get lost or break down. Yeah, but these guys are actively using it. Mm -hmm. They're accessing oh, yeah, these yeah. movies. Yeah, they had really great internet. The, I've been to Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about the internet. <laughs> oh. and, and the thing LT. I like about that, yeah, I, 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 we, we mentioned that. We're like, oh, they're able to go find information on the internet and, and uh, they've got good service and everything. And the, the cool thing about that is, like, sometimes people will be like, well, I, I, what, how, they wouldn't have that or whatever. But you're like, that's not what the movie's about. They, right. That is just a given, and then the movie happens, you know? Like, that's not going to be an obstruction. Other things are going to be the obstructions, which is cool. Uh, I think they're more afraid of mom than, yeah. than Satan. Yeah. You know? so, that's true. You know, one, one guy's little brother, yeah. you know, parties a little bit too hard. They have yeah. to keep that a secret for a long time. Actually, it really changed how we approached the movie, because... It's essentially like one of those Russian dolls. It's like three different aspects of the movie. The beginning, the first act by design is like a party X, right? Mm -hmm. The second part, the second act is kind of an occult, kind of paranormal movie. And the third act, I would say, is like a downright sl slasher movie. Yeah. Normally, yeah. if you do a slasher flick, heads roll after the first five minutes. Right. And I went like, you know what? I kind of like to surprise people. They That should hit them like a mm -hmm. freight train when it really happens. But I really so enjoy their ineptness, trying to figure out what is going on. I said, wait with the rolling heads. Yeah. You know, it's way too much fun. And <laughs> yeah. it really affected the writing. And I bet a lot of people look at it and they think we just didn't know what we were doing, you know, as we sort of like built that rocket that way. But for me, that was half the fun. Well, that's uh, part of the tension and release in horror movies and slasher movies as well. And I just I didn't realize till you mentioned it right there because I had had that thought of, okay, well, at some point, somebody's just going to go off and they're not going to come back. But every time they go off and will come back, and it was like, oh, wow, in my traditional sense, there's a tension and release that's not being relieved yet because nobody's dead yet. But then at the end, it's like, all right, it's 10 little Indians time. Yeah. Like, let's just knock them down now. Yeah. I also yeah. like the fact that nobody just got outside of the building and ran off into the woods and was chased. Yeah. That yeah, didn't happen. Yeah. The, you know, the girl running through the woods in her panties didn't happen. Well, well you lost me. If it happened, oh. it always brings them <laughs> Sounded like somehow. you had a really good movie there for a minute there, Marcus, but uh, there's still Karen's revelations. Karen's revelation kind of. just not in the woods. Oh, oh, okay. oh, Bart, the first minute of this movie. There's there's a, there's a display of breasts oh, that I, okay. I think well, will yeah, keep you we'll hooked for the rest of the. Uh, 
I'm back on board, Marcus. Okay. Now, the guy who's at the table here who's seen this movie the most, uh, I should say, he's with yeah, us. Ray yeah, Scalacci. Ray. Ray. Man from the first hour. Yeah. Scalacci. Friend of the movie guys. Writer for the movie guys. Writer for the site, yeah. And an, an early viewer of this film before uh, it got its uh, major release that it's getting now. Yeah. Always a champion, right? Yeah, from the very beginning, which... I don't even know if Marcus remembers this. When I was invited to the American Film Market, American Film Market, yeah. a friend of mine, son, is in the movie. That's Nick Nordella. Hmm. And so I came there. Marcus didn't know I was coming. And my friend mentioned that at the time, I think I was writing for Fred Entertainment. And he says, I don't want journalists here. So I, I, I'd, rather not him, I'd rather him not be here. Phil comes up to me. He goes, Ray, he doesn't want you here. And I go... Well, what am I going to do? You drove me here. I go tell him, <laughs> tell him that I'm not going to say I'm not going to say a word, you know. So he was apprehensive about me being there, and myself, I'd never seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I never saw Friday the Thirteenth. I was just there to see his son. That was it. I was just a supporter. I wasn't expecting anything. I get in the theater and I saw it as back mask. And the original title. The original, original title. title. Also, there's oh. changes in the storyline, too. So, because there was a lot on back masking, which he, you can he's being super kind. He probably is thinking, here's a guy who destroyed two of the biggest, three of the biggest franchises of all time. Now I have to sit through this shit. No, no, I'm, not, I'm not being too kind because let me tell you. Because here it comes. The audience, the audience tells the truth. And I'm sitting there. And I hadn't seen a reaction like that since the original Evil Dead, including a couple of people who got up and ran out because they were so freaked. <laughs> and people were laughing, screaming, cheering. I mean, it was it was crazy. And by the time it was over, I had to run up to him and I said, I introduced myself. Do you remember? Yes. And I said, look, you did what the new Evil Dead movie didn't do. You've accomplished everything that everybody wanted. And I thought for sure this thing was going to be a runaway freight train. I thought right away, this is going to get picked up for distribution. Everything's going to go great. And then I didn't hear anything for like, what, four months? Yeah. Well, uh, let me just say, the new Evil Dead is one of my favorite remakes of, of no, it's recent a good, it's times. No, it's a good remake. I very much like it. Right. Um, but we just wanted to have fun on this one. You know, the world is such a bleak place right now. And I really like the idea of just having fun with you know the job we're doing you know right. uh, you know every everything is a reference genre if you don't too. make a remake yeah you're in a certain world let's have fun with that world and mm -hmm. and, and and what happened was eventually you know i i wrote the article wtf you know back mask which was <laughs> where not what but where you know, with back mask. <laughs> yeah. you know and i yeah i championed the film because i really believed it i could not believe that i said this movie cannot go straight to home video it can't it deserves a theatrical release and, and i fought really hard and i also fought really hard to get it at the phoenix film festival too uh, by the time it got to the Phoenix Film Festival, it went through changes. And Marcus can explain those changes to you. It went from back mask to Exeter. And from what I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I guess there were feelings that back mask was not commercial enough and that the whole idea about the Exeter and the asylum was much more palatable to people. 
Well, well yeah. and also, I should say, just for anybody around who doesn't know what backmasking is, and right. this is a great nod, too, because there's a great movie from the 80s called 976 Evil, yeah. and it's oh, about okay. you'd play records right. backwards right. to hear satanic messages. Yeah. Well, now there's CDs or MP3s. I don't, yeah, just people don't as much know what records are. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's a record? How do you play an MP3 backwards? But you know what? When, apo- when right Apocalypse Now came out, I didn't know what Apocalypse Now meant. That's and true. I still went to see the movie. But times have changed. Like, now people want to know exactly what movie they're going to yeah. see mm-hmm. and to me that's strange i like I the agree. surprise I'm and i you. that's why trailers give everything away it's yeah. too much oh. yeah. and i like to turn Cover things upside down i like to mix genres mm-hmm. like you know might some people might look at it it's sort of calculated oh um you know he puts vikings and indians together in something and surely he does that he thinks he can double an audience it actually splits your audience one half says well that's not last of the mohicans and the other half says well that's not lord of the rings well it wasn't supposed to be any of that Mm -hmm. you know it's a footnote of history that prompted me to make this movie because i haven't seen anything like that Uh, so in the case of backmask yeah people didn't know what backmask meant but in a way, that was a good thing because we used it as a MacGuffin and mm-hmm. was an easy thing to lose after an already very inflated first act. So it helped us to pare the first act down, which mm-hmm. was necessary, just ran a little bit too long. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, things have changed in, in Hollywood. And we're talking a lot about trailers here, how movies are being sold. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's and our- it used to be that you could sell a movie. I don't know, with with a great studio. It's the next MGM movie or the next Mm. Warner Brothers movie. Then later, it would become uh, a great director. It's Billy Wilder or a great star. It's Marilyn Monroe, Mm -hmm. right? Well, we just came out of a decade that was about corporations, legendary, places like that, right? That would get a movie made. And now it is media platforms, right? Netflix, Mm -hmm. Amazon, and all that. Now, those are not Louis B. Mayer's. Right, hmm. in all respect. So they're looking at it and say, okay, we got the platform. You got to come up with something that sells itself. And if that is not in the title, it better be a star or a comic book franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you don't have that right now in that environment, you have nothing. Hmm. But aren't you insulated a little bit by being horror? Isn't that the hardiest of genres? That 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 there's just going to be a market even before someone reads the back of the DVD cover, right? Well, when you know? when Stephen Schneider and Jason Bloom essentially rewrote the paradigm, coming up with what they called the million dollar movie, once they succeeded with that and turned it into a billion dollar mother load, everybody in Hollywood and their mother wanted to be in that business. So they all did like I think Jason Bloom did like forty movies that year. Stephen did at least twenty, I think. Yeah, you're talking about the Paranormal then, Activities yeah, where they yeah, cost producers. They but cost then all the studios went like, "Well, shit, we do that too." So they all did at least ten or twelve, figuring yeah. if one of them doesn't suck, you know, it already was worth it, mm-hmm. right? It's sort of like, uh, you know, throwing a lot of paint against the wall. Some of it will dry up the Mona Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's sort of you know sort of what's happening now. So now there is this sort of glut. Where they go like, well, I guess we need a star again. I guess we need, yeah. you know, uh, a, a famous director or a famous something or a franchise to justify the release. I would argue that those movies that I can be blamed for, for having made remakes of, <laughs> that in this environment, if you would have wanted to launch them, they all wouldn't have had a chance. I just like put that into the room, hmm. right? Where's a star here? And, you know, because, because of the glut, and because there was not something that they 
could cook something around. It's a stone soup. Like if I think of development, I think of the story of the stone oh, soup. Oh yeah, that's you a know great the story, story of the stone soup. That's development right now. You need that stone that you can cook that soup around. And then everybody brings something to the table, and then right. you're able mm. to use that. Exactly right. Soup. If you need someone to compliment the remake of Chainsaw Massacre or Friday the Thirteenth, I'm here. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> yes. we can talk after the show. I might have already talked too Adam, much during. You the can show. have the floor for a minute or two. This Friday the Thirteenth remake is so good. <laughs> I gotta tell you. All right, now I, I am a fan. Uh, now you are you were you a fan of Chainsaw Massacre before you remade it? I mean, who isn't kind it, of? Because it's a great, you know, it's a classic, right? I loved all the mythology around it, the story around it, the mm -hmm. culture that it brought. Yeah. But to tell you, growing up in Germany, it was not just X-rated, it was illegal. You oh, could okay. not watch it. Wow. Like Clockwork really? Orange in England. Video nasty, right? <laughs> so so I knew it existed. Hold on a second. How can America do anything that the Germans That shocks the Germans. <laughs> a little too offensive. You did it with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. <laughs> Well done, so, America. Well true. done. Sure, <laughs> sure. Our porn has do has uh, horses pooping on girls, but oh, no, that chainsaw massacre. <laughs> That's where we draw the line. That's where we draw the line. Well, so true. And and because of that, I never had, I guess, the reverence and the respect oh, okay. that somebody had who was here on the heels of Easy Rider or whatever, watching that movie unfolding next to a screen where they would show Rock Hudson or Doris Day yeah. comedies, you know, like that, that, that you can't remake, you know. I, I just thought it had a, a good, it had the perfect amount of reverence in that, in that it let go some things that might have been held on for nostalgia and then just gave a different uh, uh, point of view of telling that story. Yeah. It just felt, I felt like I was getting a different Chainsaw Massacre that had oh, yeah. all the things I wanted in it. Look, now, I, I was young, I needed the money. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But, uh, and you wanted to work with Jessica Alba for a few days. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, 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 you get into a movie with Michael Bay, and I love him dearly, you know what you're getting into. And it was funny, if I would oh, pitch some certain different things, things, well, it's going to be action fight, right? Mm -hmm. And when I was pitching ideas to him, like the shot through the head and the camera pulls oh, through. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. See? And Good I would stuff. look at him, and he would go like, ooh. He would look at the story oh, like that. It's just a storyboard. I go like, here's a guy who shot yeah. the world to smithereen three <laughs> times over, and he's like, getting queasy. What the hell? And and I realized that moment. You know, he's not a horror guy. He's an action guy. Right. And in a way, it's horror. It's action disguised in horror. Action in a horror environment. Yeah. So I'm completely aware of what we did. Now, strangely enough, or thank God, that kind of did something, and it's sort of like you know, fostered a greater audience than what this kind of movie normally would get. A lot of people would tell me, you know, I don't like horror movie, but I like that movie. Yeah. And funny enough, when 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 I prepared for it, I didn't read I didn't reference that much the original. I referenced Deliverance. Ah. I talked much more about Deliverance. It actually than I comes about, off quite uh, a bit like Deliverance. Yeah. yeah. Because the yeah, you feel that I mean it's uh, like I said, it's in the original. Obviously, they're held hostage, but they're also dispensed with very quickly. Someone goes into a frightening situation, they're gone. Frightening situation, they're gone. This one, there, there's a, such a tension to them being held, and and it's there's the house is part of a character in the original Chainsaw Massacre, but the sheriff character, the Arlie Ermy, is just such a threat that I, I just feels like a new type of threat. I know that character is in the original, but I never felt threatened by that character in the yeah. original the way I did in the remakes. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, Ray and me were talking about it earlier, and um, 
You know, I, I saw, I, I listened to a director's commentary from Toby, and he said something I wasn't aware of when I watched the original movie, and I guess for him it was a background story. He said, this guy Leatherface, his, his, his face probably got marred by some cancer, and other kids would make fun of him mm. and marginalize him. And, you know, in Latin, uh, persona means mask. And mm. because he didn't have a personality of his own, he would go to those kids that would ri ridicule him, take mm. their faces, take on their persona. Because he and, wears and their faces. around and yeah. wear that, you oh, know, yeah. making himself complete. Yeah. And when I heard that, I went like, wow, I find that so much more interesting than a clan seemingly of unmotivated yeah. cannibals. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to tell that story of yeah. this ostracized kid. And parents would probably feel very sympathetic towards him mm -hmm. and probably let him get away with a little bit too much. Right. So I added two scenes that they didn't really want me to do. They thought it made him too humanized. One was where he would take his mask off oh. and you could see the marred nose. Oh. Mm -hmm. And the other scene is where his parents, or proverbial parents are, arguing downstairs and he's upstairs in his kid's den sitting on the floor chewing fingernails listening at the door like a like a child almost pathetic yeah to me that became more important you know as far as his personality went and informed sort of the movie yeah those are great touches the nose thing I, I had forgotten about that till just now that is a great touch because you kind of feel for the guy, you know, yeah. he's going to chop people up with a chainsaw, that's true. <laughs> but you're also just like, eh, yeah, but I love when people life. can justify something and give it a backstory that makes it all, you can see why he would do that. I love the idea of also embracing bullying in a way. And that's right. Yes. It's very much about bullying. And yeah. you know, it's interesting if you sit with the writers, which are the, I might be the tourist here from Germany that didn't grow up with that, with that, with that mm -hmm. culture all that much. And I'm sort of fascinated by it, but you sit with those writers they're the ultimate fanboys, and they never ever refer to Jason or Leatherface as the villain. Mm. The villain is the asshole blonde kid, yeah. you know, with yeah. the hot cheerleader yeah. girlfriend Billy who Zatka. won't collaborate. Yeah. <laughs> right. yep. Those guys, the uh, Leatherface, Jason, they refer to them sort of uh, lovingly as our anti-heroes. Right. And you realize suddenly that there's an incredible identification that goes on with that. What is it that you want to dress up with that guy for Halloween, that you want, that filmmakers want to make those movies over and over again? God knows there are much better movies, you know, yeah. that you don't want to see a second time or, 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 or see a sequel off. But there's a culture here that's like DNA that means something, you know, so you tap into that. It's not the sequel, it's that DNA. Yeah, and then and, and, and Friday the 13th and uh, Chainsaw Massacre came out at this time, the late 70s, this post-Vietnam era, and this was sort of this cinematic expression, and also sort of a cinema brat era where a lot of young kids were making a difference in horror movie. And then once Halloween makes the money it makes, then there's just, the sky's the limit, and then video comes along. So it's, it's, it's kind of a cool golden era, and it's nice to go back in a modern way and, and you know, well, I want to I tell you how the 70s were like for me growing up in Germany. It took at that time almost a year, maybe 10 months to translate a movie. Mm -hmm. So I would know about Star Wars. I would know the John Williams score. Mm. I would have the bed sheets. I would have the lunchbox. <laughs> I would have the action figures. Yeah. We would act it out. I remember us being in the in the treehouse in the garden playing Conan, knocking our fist bloody with bamboo sticks, right? Uh -huh. And we would make the movies in our heads. So I never subscribed to it. I never thought of it as a remake because, you see, 
we made those movies back then, anticipating yeah. for a year being supercharged. Oh, wow. And then after a year, you would get to see it. Right. Uh -huh. And that was a moment of truth. Either it was like a revelation, the most amazing thing, so much beyond your imagination, hmm. or you were just disappointed by it. Oh, fascinating. But in your mind, you made it. So these particular movies appeal to me because I made them in my mind for a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see, I was a Boy Scout. We would sit at the campfire telling each other <laughs> Jason stories without having seen the movie. Oh. And in many cases, I would have seen it in Mad Magazine Night. before I was even allowed to see it <laughs> as a 13-year-old yeah, right. or 14-year-old. So I never really thought of it really as a remake because what I envisioned in the sandbox it's kind of like what I tried to bring to the is, screen. Is there something in the Friday the 13th remake that was something that, because there's a whole bunch of, it's, it's, there, there's references to the movies, but in terms of the actual kills and the character stuff, was there any of these that you had made up? You're like, all right, I'm going to do, I always like this kill from the playground. I'm going to have Jason <laughs> kill him that way. Did you do that? That's the no, actually, you know what? In that particular case, the movie was written before the writer's strike. Oh, okay. And it was kind of like, okay, we're going to get the draft in. And if two studios, Michael Bay, you, and Foreman Fuller like this movie, like that script, we're gonna make this movie. But we can't change really all that much. Yeah. But for me, it was sort of like part of that campfire lore, which was is in every one of them in the world. Yeah, right? yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sit around the campfire and tell the story. That sort of made me gravitate towards it, you know. Um, well, I, I wanna ask your favorite movie of all time. Um, but I also kind of want to ask it now, because did it come from that era? Is, there, is it a 70s movie? It came from that era, like almost all my references. And I live in that era in my head still. But um, uh, I know the, the story, the question would come up. But, um, <laughs> um, my favorite movie of all times is Rocky. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's a Cinderella story oh, for dudes, yeah. so how can you argue that, right? Yep. <laughs> but I think it was the first time that I had an ultimate movie experience. And I saw it in a movie theater in Gloucester, outside of Boston, and, and, and I saw people behave like I never thought people could mm. behave during a movie. It was like World Federation Wrestling. They would <laughs> climb on the chairs, they would throw popcorn, you know? They were like, they so got into it. Yeah. And then I started a drive-in right after that, and they all started honking during the fight at the end. Oh. I had to watch it three times till I actually realized the dude lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah. <laughs> I watched that movie, I think, like some Star Wars kids watched the movie 80 times. I must have watched that yeah. 80 times, and it never gets old for me. But I want to tell you a story, and I think, I think you're going to love this, because it's, it talks about this culture, right? So... <laughs> Do we have that time? Can we like... Oh, yeah. like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You asked me the question of the last movie, that usually means yeah. you get the boot oh. now. Oh, I'm, I'm holding back 12 Friday the 13th questions so that you have more time, no. so go okay. ahead. You can put this wherever if it fits, right? I gotta tell you the story. I'm holding one. <laughs> I just had a feeling it was a 70s movie, so do go on. Well, you know, talking about the ultimate fanboy experience, right? Okay. So, besides Rocky, the other movie, of course, would be Star Wars. Yeah. Mm. So I was Amen. this consummate Star Wars fan, mm. and... So when I had kids of my own, they would ask me, Daddy, tell us a story. <laughs> and you know, they're in that age. And you go like, how did my grandmother do that? She would tell me stories every night. She would make them up. I'm a terrible storyteller. You know, it's like <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood, uh, Snow White. Uh, uh, you know, I just like ran out of material. <laughs> so I would go like, 
Okay, let me tell you the story about close encounters of the third kind. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a pitch. Sure. Right? Yeah. Let me yeah. tell you the story yeah. about Rocky. You know? <laughs> let me tell you a story about Star Wars. Do I ever tell them those stories? Oh, cool. And they would just be fascinated. Daddy knows all these great stories, right? That's let awesome. me tell you a story about Planet of the Apes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me tell like you about Trainwreck. <laughs> There's a slutty girl. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, right? so, in any case, so at some point, they're old enough that I feel like you can show them this stuff now, right? Yeah, but now your secret's out. You're a big fraud. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm a superstar. They go like, Daddy, that's your story, <laughs> right? <laughs> they rip you off. Get the, remake, get the remake jerk, right? <laughs> Back to his old tricks. So, <laughs> now, true thing. So I'm showing them Close Encounter of the Third Kind, and I see the genius of Spielberg, right? Because normally you have to lean in on just about any movie and go like, so what's happening here now? You fill in where you feel they're glazing over, but they're getting it completely. Guy acts like a kid, gets himself into trouble. We get it. You don't have to explain us anything. It just runs like butter. They love it. I'm happy. I go next weekend. I'm going to show them Star Wars, right? So I show them Star Wars. And they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then suddenly they walk off and they play with their Legos. And so they say, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa is right. Uh, what? What is going on here? Come in. Yeah. Explain, right? So here's what they say. <laughs> not making this up. They say, well, they say the robots, when they talk, they don't, they don't move their lips. Go so ahead. I go like, they're so screwed up in their heads now with DreamWorks and, and yeah, Pixar yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. They, can't, they can't stomach Star Wars anymore. To them, it's like oh Klaatu God. or something like that, right? <laughs> so I say... Jason and the Argonauts crap. Well, that, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the thing corrected itself just sort of like, you know, two, three months later when they discovered uh, video games and they would play... Lego Star Wars and suddenly they love Star Wars they got into the music and all that <laughs> stuff oh. so a friend of mine goes of course he says like it's like the fanboy epitome you have a video the three fanboy epitomies you take a video game you take Star Wars and you take Lego and you roll it all into one <laughs> that'll do the job right alright okay that's what it takes now right that's yeah. what it yeah. takes okay now synergy it's a year later <laughs> John Williams did I tell you the story before? I don't think so. John Williams is performing Star Wars at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they dig the music. I go, we got to go. All right. I'm walking in. We're one of the first ones there. Other people are coming in. And they all go like, oh, they're all daddy touch because we're all like bald with a goatee. I'm bald in a goatee. A little bit of a belly, right? And they're all there with their kids, right? So this, this, this lady, a Mexican lady, she walks in she settles in front of us and she's there with her son and he's a little bit overweight and he's having a laser a lightsaber and she's so embarrassed by this he's, look at him you know she turns to us he's like he's already 14 he still takes this lightsaber still like Star Wars I say excuse my French bitch we all like Star Wars <laughs> here, right? I don't say it I don't say it I keep it for myself you know not my home but yeah so duh, yeah. duh. so now another guy settles in next to me his son is next to him he wants to be at another place he has a baseball hat all the way deep in his face he's sitting there mm. like that and what she turns around and says what's your favorite baseball team my son still likes Star Wars you know he's sitting there cradling <laughs> His lightsaber, his fingernails chewed up to the stump. This woman is a monster. Right? <laughs> so, so now, 
<laughs> Lights go out. John Williams walks in, white jacket, you know, going talk, talk, talk. And he plays Dr. Shivago. He plays uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, mm. um, paying homage to the masters who came before him, right? Yeah. He steps out. He walks back in, talk, 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 and he goes, and I'm like, oh, and I'm taking photos and sending it to my friends. It's like the master, the master place, right? All right. John Williams turns around suddenly and he smiles, right? And he goes, what is he smiling at? And I look around and there's an ocean. Uh-huh. of thousands of people holding oh. lightsabers yes. up. Oh. Vigil, not like waving it around yeah. like it's like a firelighter. Vigil, you know, stoic, they're Jedis. Yeah. And the kid in front of me goes, yeah. <laughs> and his mother is just like sinking <laughs> into her seats. It's like, <laughs> Good for him. she oh, was in great. the wrong. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, and if you look closer to that kid, he's Leatherface and his. Right. <laughs> right. And like walking around now with a his mother's head rolled down the alley. Yeah. And then, but doesn't your heart go out to that kid? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That's our but, story, but, isn't but, it? But look out! Look at That's the the. Oh, there you go. But <laughs> one for the team. <laughs> look like this, didn't it, buddy? But how supported he must have felt, man. Yeah. You know, like, right? oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. And then he are. stood up and said, take that, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's how that's Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Why zoom, zoom. set her straight? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Just I'd... wait till we get to the Superman theme. <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole bunch of underwear you need All to right, see. All right, now, uh, I have to ask this because whenever we were talking about you and you are going to be on the show, I don't know as much about the horror movies as Adam does. No one does. It's hard to keep up. However, oh, I started right. looking at what you've been up to, and I couldn't help but notice you worked with the Gloria Stefan a number of times on music <laughs> videos. Now, I'm a huge Gloria Stefan fan, and I've met her a couple times, and she was lovely. Yes. Quite frightening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I rewatched those videos. It was Reach and... Um, Turn the beat around. Turn the beat around. Yeah. Both of them, you have her on top of a high platform or building. Yes. And there's lots of shots of her being gorgeous, and you're kind of flying by with the camera. And I just <laughs> was wondering if that was just how you see Gloria. How did you come up with that? Because that's how Karen sees Gloria. I see her that way, too, on a pedestal, and I fly around her. Well, you you shoot Gloria, you shoot her in Miami, and this yes. woman owns Miami. Right. So you go like, well... I see her on your tallest building on a helipad, yep. and we light her with a helicopter at night. But surely that will never happen. They go like, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, it happened. It didn't look great. <laughs> they do it. I talked yeah. to the mayor, and we get it done. <laughs> yeah, and you then, can just ask for just about anything. And then for the Olympics, when she was doing Reach, she was on another high, um, kind of like a podium, I imagine, like the yeah. Olympic podium. And then, of course, you had Olympic people kind of imposed, in, in uh, how has that? I don't know the word. Superimposed. Did you you make... I didn't do that part. You didn't do that part? I only shot like her performing. But you know what? Beautiful. I I send all these pictures of... uh, I ripped off Herb Ritz, essentially. I go like, let's do it like Herb Ritz. And I sent like... Yeah, I I showed the label, all that swipe of... um, you know, sweaty, burly guys like 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 uh, Herb Ritz guys, Bruce Weber guys. We made a really nice presentation for Gloria. My assistant puts it into the wrong folder... And we send it to Katie Lang, who was no. pitching at the same time. She goes like, why am I looking at all these sweaty guys? I'm not even yes. into them. I'm not making awesome. this up. Uh, you know what? You could do the same wonderful things with Katie Lang. I can see it happening. Oh, my God. And, you know, and, and Gloria Stefan, for those who don't know, is the size of a little peanut. Oh, yeah. So I love that you put her on these tall things that made her just seem even more statuesque. And she was pregnant at the time. Shut up. You so can't even tell. So there was a body double for a lot of that stuff. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. 
Not for the Olympic one. No, 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 but wow, she looks yeah. fantastic. Well, we yep, got to go girl. from her favorite you, uh, of all it. time <laughs> to <laughs> my you. favorite singer of all time is Billy Joel. And I know oh, you my God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what? I, I, I did like 250 music videos in a very, very short time span. But it was a time of dance. And, you know, as I said, mm-hmm. you're young, you need the money. But, but there, are, there are maybe five acts whose records I would actually buy. Mm. And he's one of them. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it means a lot to me. And it was a really great moment for me to direct him. Like, I, would, would, like, I, I, would, I would direct him, he would sit on the piano between takes, he would like play the horse vessel lead oh. and stuff like that. I, I would not that be able to handle amazing. that. <laughs> what, what video is this? Oh. Well, he, he, he is Good Night My Angel, correct? Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, well, a Lullaby, and uh, yeah. it's called Lullaby. Yeah. Right. And what I didn't know at the time is that he was going through divorce with mm-hmm. Christy and, and his daughter Alexa was there. And Christy was still there, but it was just a time, and it was essentially his goodbye song to uh, to his daughter. Yeah, his um, songs tell his life story. Yes, I mean. and that's why I left listening to him because I started as an illustrator, and that means you're a lot at home alone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. soundtracks and storytellers, you know, Randy Newman, Elton John, you know, mm-hmm. Billy Joel, all those guys I would listen to because it's sort of like somebody who talks to you when nobody else does. Right. You know? Right. And, yeah, and, it's weird uh, that the, he. I, I've often said, well, first of all, I have talks about my favorite musician or act of all time, and it's Billy Joel, and I narrowed it down to him because you could put on any song of his right now, and I'm not going to turn it off. Oh, I've heard Big Shot a thousand times. <laughs> not true. Let's hear Big Shot again. <laughs> that song is awesome. That, pl- coupled with, it is the soundtrack of my life. Now, yeah. it's not that his, because it's the soundtrack to his life, too, because the songs are so personal to him. Yes, I don't have the drug issues and all that stuff that he has going on, and the right. divorce and all that, but huge moments in my life I know what song was playing that yeah. song oh that song is my hometown song yeah. this song oh that was college days you know it's like all these songs mean something to me that yeah. guy's just the and, best and you know what, okay. what, 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 what what inspired the video actually was you know I thought of bittersweet childhood memories and I thought of like um, well I thought of the uh, end of uh, To Kill the Mockingbird hmm. when they're walking through the forest going to school play and they're dressed as a ham right mm-hmm. yeah. something like that I love that they like, were a ham yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the first two times I saw that movie I'm like, what the fuck is that <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's a deli meat somebody went the Halloween is a deli meat yeah. and never since no, never no, so who's going to the deli sure salami that makes sense so <laughs> we went like school a play you know like they, they could go as angels or whatever so we went like what have we have these kids dressed as angels going through you know dark neighborhoods in Miami and just really like let that contrast and um, they canceled the video after it was done they loved it but somebody in some meeting some in our guy lifted his hand and says is this about dead children and they went like done (laughs) I I gotta say that you were um, right there at the cutting edge of these music videos because back when you were doing it is when it really mattered you could make or break an artist with a really well conceived music video yeah probably to a fault you know and I think Mm. it's sort of established sort of like you know I think the music video filmmaker especially from that time if you look at the music we had to sell very much you're in the business of polishing turds yeah a lot of people when they bring you a job after that and say hey uh, what about a remake of an old franchise they don't believe all that much in it their highest aspiration would be you know, that it does well on DVD or makes maybe $20 million. So once you go through a $100 million hemisphere, suddenly they realize it's good business and they take it very serious in some cases. But in many cases, they don't love it as much as we do, you know. You're going in there and you say, you know what, all right, 
we're talking Conan here or whatever, you gotta take that serious because a guy is a big muscle guy with a lot of baby oil and a paper mache crown. Right. You know? Yeah. The line between We gotta take this seriously. Success right. is a very, very, thin very one seriously. here, right? We got a light for that. We got a mm -hmm. orchestrate that, around it. Yeah. That is an amazing thing, and Paul and I have had this discussion because there is some sort of crazy magic that Christopher Reeve is Superman. There that that is a guy in a costume and yet it is completely not. And I don't know how they do that. And that's these that's the amazing thing about these superhero movies. They have to dress them in basketball material so it's not spandex or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you look at something like that. No, he's in spandex. It's just a plain old S. It's not crazy. It's not. And yet there's magic there. So, yeah, yeah that is the. the how well, do how you, do you sell Conan? You can, you can <laughs> remake what I learned on Conan. Yeah. The painful way is you can remake a story, a movie. Uh, you can maybe maybe remake. Well, what 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 you can't remake is a character. I would dread to see the remake of Rocky. Oh, I'll be yeah. the first yeah. one to complain yeah. about that. Yeah. He so inhabits that 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 character. You cannot put somebody else yeah. in it, right? And and I think the you know you, you can put somebody in a hockey mask. Yeah. You know, it looks like a sure. Federal Express guy, you know, with a <laughs> hockey mask on him. You can do that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of people say, look, you know, this is not the Robert E. Howard Conan. You know, he wouldn't look like that. And I go like, you know what? I looked at the Robert E. e. Howard Conan. We were talking about yeah, this we earlier. About this. I saw the book covers. He looks like Dean Martin. Little short sword. I saw the book cover. That's not what Franz Frank Rosetta envisioned. No. Yeah. You know. In, in in defense, they said that about James Bond. Anybody that loved the Ian Fleming, you know, books. Yeah. They always had a complaint. Well, that doesn't look like James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but he describes James Bond as looking like Hoagie Carmichael in the book. And you're like, I'm not going to make a movie with Hoagie Carmichael being a spy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's funny you say James Bond because what you need or what I felt I needed in a Conan character is somebody who can do what Arnold can do. Mm -hmm. Not a bodybuilding look or look-alike contest, right? I mean, certainly Arnold left his mark. You can never go back to the Dean Martin. You know that, right? <laughs> but I didn't feel it should go to the guy with the biggest muscles either. Uh, what I was looking for was a sort of animal instinct that you would have in a Sean Connery. The, and that you uh -huh. have an Arnold, the guy that can slap a lady on the ass and probably gets laid for it. Ray and me would do the same thing. We would yeah. get sued, yeah. right? But there are some guys that can do that, you know, that, 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 can, that can elevate themselves over political correctness. Yeah. And what I'm so sick and tired of are these politically correct superheroes and James Bond being somewhat of a superhero. And I like the reality yeah. ground, grounded superheroes. Um, you know, he's so apologetic now. He's mm. so well-adjusted. You know, I like the political incorrect James Bond. Yeah. And you're not going to see him in the future, you know. next. You know, next the key to slapping a woman on the ass and oh, getting away brother. with it. Here we go. See, Karen, see, Karen, <laughs> yes. you're killing it if you're coming in that quickly. I'm just 
ready. No, and that's not going to work. Now. <laughs> He's got nothing. Either. I was going to hey. say. No, I was going to say the key is practice. You just got to keep doing. <laughs> Eventually, the guy's a barbarian, right? <laughs> you can't change the barbarian, so you got to find somebody who can get practice. away with that. That's really the well, trick. Well, I would tell you that's one of the best assets that movie has is Jason Momoa because oh, you watch yeah. Arnold and Arnold is a big lummox and he kind of struggles with the language way back in the Milius yeah. version. Yeah. And Momoa is slick and funny yeah. and charming. Yes. And yeah. he's, uh, you know, he's cracking jokes and, and being kind of, you know, uh, and, and being a tough guy at the same time. I it's a compromised movie. It's a very flawed movie. And I own all of that. But the thing that I really stand behind was the choice of Jason Momoa. You know, and, and I wish him really well now with Aquaman. And I didn't yeah, know him. Yeah. I didn't know him at all. He was in Game of Thrones. He was in Game of Thrones. By the time okay, he yeah. made that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. see, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So and probably to me, I was like more Conan than I was allowed to uh, <laughs> yeah. to push him as Conan, you know, like like very, very primal yeah. uh, in what he did in Game of Thrones. But, but he had the – when he read, everybody read for it. When he came in, um, he did a – what do they call it? A haka? Haka? Yeah, the haka? from the Hawaiian or yeah, the Samoan yeah, Hawaii Samoan kind of yeah. thing, right? Oh, oh, you go like, oh, wow. You know, like, he got that whole tribal thing down, right? Yeah. Huh. And um, then I told him, I said, look, you have to take the goatee off. He had this beard. It was actually a full full bone beard. And I said, you have to take it off. They all say you look like a pirate. Oh. And they can't imagine you as Conan, right? Yeah. The execs. And he goes like, look, I'm not going to take it off unless I got the part. So hire me then as a pirate, because there was a pirate in the strip as his best buddy, mm-hmm. and I'll be standing next to your corner and make him look like the wuss he is. Wow. Oh. <laughs> wow. You know? So Avi Lerner, he kept on saying, so Marcus, who's going to be the Conan? You know? The and Conan. I say, like, you know, whoever it is, you got to have chutzpah. <laughs> and he got that, you know? Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. glad they settled for him. You know, talking about casting, I, I thought the casting was great in Exeter. I, I have oh, to yeah. tell you, yes. I, mm-hmm. everybody in there that, I mean. Yeah, I did too. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen a cast gel like that since yes. Scream. Yeah. But I actually enjoyed these people even more. Yeah. That's for me. I think it's 99% of you of what you do. Because on the day, on a movie like that, where you have so many setups, you can't possibly be there like Marty Scorsese, you know, sort of like nudging them into being something that they are not naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you really try to find guys that, really fit together well and look you know if you look at bonanza if you look at the beatles these are ensembles that work right ringo is a kid little joe is a kid you know adam is the mom you know john lennon is the mom it's like a family Mm -hmm. right so you try to create that kind of a family um and you know when they asked me because almost everybody, yeah, everybody that we had was like our first choice. Like, you got the part, but please be available, right? When they asked me in the end, what should we do to prepare ourselves? What movie should we watch? Hmm. They expected to hear, I don't know, Exorcist, Omen, and all that. And I said, watch Breaking Away. Oh. For me, it was much more <laughs> oh, wow. important. Love that movie. Yes, it's, uh, That's yeah. honestly that would one be of my, up there with Rocky with me. Top ten movies. That's, that's a childhood yeah. movie. That's why you need to see this movie. Oh really? Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of I always find that the fascinating. The, the I don't have direct TV. <laughs> <laughs> we all did a carpool to go. Yeah, watch we all it. went to. Ra- they all went to yeah, raise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Visit a friend. Yeah. Yeah. You, need well, a, you need a group anyway. I don't you have friends either. So. Yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. watch it in a group. Yeah, oh, right. It is that, coming out in movie theaters. So yeah. Oh, okay. You know, it's, yeah. it's actually a new way of doing it. We get sort of some visibility by putting it out on Netflix. And you know what's interesting is actually every movie, every horror movie. This may be the exception of movies like The Ring. Ring was broke all the rules. Yeah. The week after you bring it out, it goes down 25% or 50%. You mm. know, the rule of thumb. Um, 
every week that we've been out, we went 25% up. Nice. Yeah. And, That's awesome. You know, That's we great. still got a 95 of people that want to see it. Mm -hmm. That tells us we did something right. Yeah. But now in this release pattern, after, you know, four weeks on uh, DirecTV, it's going to go into movie theaters. And then hopefully there's some sort of a culture and some sort of anticipation for all those that don't have DirecTV. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> for you. I got Time Warner cable. I don't think it's on Time Warner, is no. it? No. I, have yeah. a, I have a couple of segments I want to get to. So last question before Please. we get into them. Since you mentioned Rocky, Star Wars, and Breaking Away, what is your favorite horror movie of all oh. time? Oh, Exorcist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, without a question. Yeah. And there's plenty of that in this. Yes. In Exodus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that influence yeah. is there. And yeah. as is clearly The Omen, I think, is an influence. And uh, All of it, really. Yeah, it's really. You know, it's, all it's of a, it. But we didn't want it to be spoofy. We didn't yeah. want it to no. be like, no, 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 you know, no. a scary movie and so on. Uh, there's just the understanding that these movies exist, which you don't have in all the other movies. They don't have the honesty to admit, mm. you know, that that kind of stuff was done before. The one line I will definitely go to a theater to watch this because we all in the in the living room, all of us watching today, you know, the big hit, hilarious line, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who might see the movie. So pause for one second. You can you can fart over it. Yeah, now, yes. like, go fart in a corner and come right back uh, if you want to be surprised by it. But fart. for anybody who. <laughs> <laughs> who just doesn't care, is when they put together the Ouija board to communicate oh, with the thing, yeah. and the line kid goes, yeah, because that always works out well, right? <laughs> <laughs> that something like that? No one's yeah. ever put this together oh. and went, yeah, that, yeah, that's that went yeah. well. Oh, it's yeah, even more, it's even more clever, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we tried that, or what? Yeah, I'm glad yeah. we tried that. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever done this and then said, I'm glad yeah. we tried that. that yeah. i got to hear that with a full crowd. It's so funny, uh, yeah. It's, and that's the sort of thing, it's like, yeah, you get serious, and then you... It, it's that tension and release of, yeah. of horrors where yeah. you're constantly breaking it, and that's a big break right there because it is a moment of tension where they do that. Well, you know, every it. time you do something like that, you deflate the suspense and the tension that other horror movies have. Mm -hmm. And you know that. So every day you're balancing what is too spoofy. Uh, how, uh, are we having too much fun here? Right. You know, or... Uh, but, but, but I knew it would detract from you know, the scare factor. So we had to comprise it. We had to find like a good little middle of it. And, and, and I think we succeeded with that. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's get on to a real quick version of this. I'd want, I want quick, sharp comments on... <laughs> what did you see this week? Sure. Now, Marcus, you're not, with a, you're not hearing the... Hear what did you see this week so, uh, song? So... Round table in what anyone saw in theaters right, this week. I'm gonna or start at oh, home or or TBS on a plane. TBS. Or All right, TBS. so I'm gonna start with saying I saw Jurassic World finally, and it was great. And I had to remind myself halfway through the movie that there really aren't dinosaurs. <laughs> it was so well wow, done. Yeah. yeah, that's that thing you take for granted because you see the dinosaurs. They interact with the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs are doing things and have personality and are really integral. Then you have to go. But there's no dinosaurs. Well, there so. were. Yeah, but not, not now. They didn't go down to Miami oh, and grab okay, a dinosaur okay, and stick it on a TV, you know, on I'm top with of you a now. movie. Okay, I'm just you. saying. There are no dinosaurs hurt in the making of Jurassic World. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Next. Anybody else? Okay. I saw, I, I was telling Marcus about this. I so, finally saw the Thomas Crown Affair. <clears> with <throat> Steve McQueen. Oh, the original oh, yeah, one. Yeah, Steve yeah. McQueen, Faye Dunning. What I didn't know, and I was telling Marcus, is that I had no idea that Norman Jewison who did oh, yeah. Fiddler on the Roof, Jesus Christ Superstar, had done this movie. And Moonstruck. And, yeah. yeah. And then as I'm watching it, I'm going, oh, my God, this was produced and edited by Hal Ashby. 
Oh wow! Yeah, so that was, it was a, his editor. Oh, was wow. yes, editor. yes. I didn't know any. So, of yeah. I didn't know any yeah, of those. The that Russians I'm like, are coming. It all yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, on the on the PCH, they have this like uh, old courthouse building. When you drive past the PCH, it's like um, it looks like the little Alamo, all white. It was okay. a Mexican restaurant not too long ago. Yeah, that was Hal Ashby's editing room. Really, oh, an editor. Cool. Yeah, you can oh see it. God, yeah. That's cool. I Hollow just watched the documentary Easy Riders Raging Bulls, which oh, is yeah. it's, I yes. can't get enough because I, I, I watched the seventies. There's a thing called the History of Cinema that's on Netflix, and it's mm -hmm. a Scottish guy who's narrating. Has everybody seen that? I haven't seen that. Oh, it's it's, it's oh yeah yeah it's really yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah, very strange narration. Yeah yeah, 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 very strange narration. Yeah. But then you realize, oh, he wrote the book and he put together the documentary. Yes. So that's, oh, that's they didn't choose him. Yeah, He's yeah. just the writer of the book. But uh, yeah, I watched that whole 70s uh, era of filmmakers and then I watched these writers, Raging Bulls. And ah, that's just such a, uh, 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 it gets you so excited yeah. about movies, the 70s filmmakers, the 70s film brads. Mm -hmm. And and there's there's this whole segment and I just love it because there was actual footage because I read Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, but they have footage because yes. in Malibu on any given day would be a house with... Steven Spielberg hanging out with Martin Scorsese, hanging out with uh, oh, wow. uh, um, De Palma. Oh, Brian De Palma, yeah, yeah. hanging out he with Martin. He doesn't know. Oh. He doesn't know. He, he doesn't, doesn't know. He doesn't know. Tell him, please. I live in the house. No <laughs> way! <laughs> Fuck off! That's awesome. Julia <laughs> Phillips is awesome. <laughs> I'm coming to visit you when we're watching Friday the 13th. That's happening. Oh, That's God. happening. No fucking way! Something? I just watched Party at Marcus's house. Can I can I tell you something? Anything you want! <laughs> Anything you want! John Melius was yes! supposed to write Pathfinder for me. So Mike Matavoy, who was his agent for a long time, okay. introduced us. And I said, John, you should meet us at my place. Because he was hanging out there with like Brian De Palma, Scorsese, oh. Spielberg. Melius um, must have spun a story when he came over there. He was sitting that's what there. He, does. Wait, he yeah, was wait. sitting there, you see... See that hole up there? Oh. That was my Luger, New Year's Eve, 1973. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there. oh, my God. Bart, yeah. Bart, to translate, oh part of Walter God. from Lebowski is based on this yes. guy we're talking oh. about. <laughs> he, does, he does pull a gun out and just shoot it off at a party. That's like Walter from Lebowski. Yeah, it's based John. on Milius. There are That's rules. John. There are rules. Also, there's a documentary called Milius right now, and I it urge everybody. It's a fantastic. And George Lucas telling stories I've never heard him tell about George Milius. Punching people out and stuff, and he goes, he goes, hey, I'm not making any of this up. I watched all this happen. It's really great. Yeah. My favorite part is when he talks about uh, the peace sign, that all the beatniks were these oh, peace yeah. signs back yeah, then, yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, he hated hippies, right? <laughs> so he would turn the peace sign sideways, and it's not always peace now. And he put it sideways so it looks like a B-52 bomber. And he wrote Apocalypse <laughs> Now. Wrote Apocalypse oh. Now. Oh. On the pin. That's, that's where that the name comes from. That's brilliant. Awesome. Wow. The guy's a treasure trove of great stories. <laughs> hey, and, and one la tiny last thing just because it fits in. I went to the New Beverly last night and I watched a double feature of The Devil's Eight and Johnny Firecloud. The Devil's Eight is written by John Millius and Willard wow. Hike. And oh, I thought that was interesting. You know how much he did this really uncredited? Yeah. Like yeah. Rome, you know, the HBO show he wrote on oh, that. Nice. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. He'd, incredible. He'd, didn't he have a hand in creating that too? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's probably cage fighting or wrestling cage fighting. Yeah, that based on Conan. <laughs> you know, like, he left us. Before we get to birthdays, what was on TV, Bart? Uh, well, yeah, this is where Bart watches hard, most of his movies. Hard, hard to follow that with. Uh, I saw Uncle Buck. Yay! Uh, John Candy. Yay! 
but a, a brilliant, brilliant movie. And, yeah. and Paul, Paul knows this about my movie going now, which is I don't really like to watch any movie unless I know my, my character's going to win from the beginning to the end. I don't care if he's ever in trouble. I want him just to kick ass the entire time. And Uncle Buck actually does that. Uncle Buck is on top of that girl, no pun intended, from the beginning. And he doesn't let that snotty yeah. little teen yep. really get over John on Hughes. him. John There's Hughes. the small hiccup that she causes for him. But other than that, Uncle Buck wins that entire <laughs> movie. And it's got that wonderful John Hughes charm and an amazing sense of what it's to be what it's like to be a teen and I, I you just don't see that in, yeah. in teen movies today no it's a it's a lost art uh, oh it's yeah. just it, you can you so relate the 70s, to that everything was a teen movie and the 80s yeah. it was so teen culture oriented what is it now you know I don't you, don't, know. you don't have it do you see the John Hughes documentary on uh, not yet no I want to see I'm curious I see that. Oh. although didn't you mention there was one yeah they went out to see what happened to him because he just like he went sailing oh, on everyone right you know? that's right yeah. he disappeared he spent his last uh, years of his life planting trees yeah. I found out he just is that what it was wow. he just planted yeah. trees that's why that's he just what worked doing. with all these people <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that right? Did, didn't you mention that the Duff was very John Hughes? Yes. Oh, it is. The, the yeah. Duff has a lot of homage to John Hughes own, movies in its own bizarre way. So it's is great. so is Dope. Dope. But, oh yeah. Okay. But it, that's of course. And one last thing though, takes place in Inglewood, so it's a little different. Yeah. But. I don't know how much uh, he owes, or if he he obviously owes a lot. But the music of the '80s that made those moments. There's a moment at the end of Uncle Buck where the mother comes home and the daughter is just standing in the foyer and they just exchange a look. But it's that Depeche Mode uh, psychedelic fears, psychedelic furs, <laughs> twin yeah. tinkles. John Hughes had the best oh. taste in music, yeah. and it just ever. pulls at your heart. And there's no dialogue and they just hug and cry and you're like oh this i know exactly what's happening but you know what it also is it's i just don't think justin bieber could make that happen for that moment yeah, right. you <laughs> know what it is? it's characters with humility yeah. right yes. now everybody has to be so certain and yeah. sure of themselves everybody yeah. has this tom cruise oh kind of snarky yeah. snark you know? i hate snarky snark <laughs> yeah. snarky oh snark. hate snarky you know? snark dialogue hate yeah. it oh no, you're right uh vulnerability yeah too. vulnerability you know that's what's missing. Yeah, TV does a lot of that, like like NCIS and in uh, crime scene Vegas. What was the one in Vegas? Uh, the CSI. Everything just condescends to every. Oh really? Oh yes. Oh is yes. that so? Oh I hate yeah. the And the guys are always a complete. Yeah, right. people oh, forget yeah. that that's the last great ingredient that every leading man needs is vulnerability. You think you got to be tough and all this stuff, but if you don't have vulnerability. I mean, even Mel Gibson had it when he played these oh, yes. uh, crazy yeah. characters. He yeah. had the vulnerability. I yeah. saw a great write-up on Robert Redford the other day. Some some critic was looking back at his career, and he yeah. says, Robert Redford had an unusual blend of good looks and uncertainty. Huh. And I thought, how interesting. Hmm. Yeah. You know, That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Good observation. Yeah. Right now. All right, well, let's wrap up the show here with Karen's weekly celebration Uh of the birthdays of those who make the movies. It's Karen's (laughs) birthdays. Let's do it. Let's start off our week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to the star of Exeter, Mr. Stephen Lang. Oh, hey. Hey. Happy birthday, Mr. Lang. He turns awesome. 63 but can play anywhere from a Yankee to Confederate. Matter of fact, he portrayed wow. American Civil War leaders of opposing sides in two different movies, a Confederate general, Thomas Stonewall Jackson in Gods and Generals, and the Union oh. President Abraham Lincoln in two Apatomics. Apatomics. Oh, Apatomics. That Pimax. is hard to say and Sa- even harder to spell. San Diegans. San Diego one. <laughs> Though he is well known for his performance in James Cameron James Cameron's Avatar, yeah. Lang began his career in theater. 
He had Broadway roles, including his Tony-nominated performance as Lou in The Speed of Darkness, Happy in Dustin Hoffman, a revival of Death of a Salesman, Colonel Jessup in A Free Good <gasps> Few Good Men. Best movie ever made. Yeah. And Mike Talvin opposite, alongside Quentin Tarantino and Marissa Tomei in Wait Until Dark. He also did a bunch hmm. of stuff with the Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago, won some Jeff- Jefferson Jefferson Awards. Loves the Moving Joseph On Up Award. Jefferson oh. Awards. He got the Moving On Up Jeff Award. Awards. Jeff Awards. I once played Jeff in a sketch show. I stood up and, I, and they said, this show's been Jeff recommended. And I stood up and I had a t-shirt that just said Jeff. And I'm like, hi, I'm Jeff and I recommend it. And I just <laughs> ran away. <laughs> Marcus, uh, it's kind of a hack question to ask on a podcast. But, you know, do you have any blank stories? But do you have any... Stephen Lang stories. Yeah, actually, because <laughs> uh, he did cool. Conan the with first you. First day, the first day he showed he up cool. in makeup, um, we gave him like a different nose. He played such an iconic part in Avatar, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, okay, yeah. every time he's a bad guy, he has to have a different kind of a scar. We gave him a scar in a different place. And, and we this gave is him Conan. This weird nose, right? right? Yeah. And we put his hair back. And he pointed out, he was right. He said, I look like Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> we made him look like Willie Nelson to well. play a bad guy in Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. You know what, Marcus? I think we made that joke on this show <laughs> when, when we previewed Conan. We were like, he looks like Willie Nelson. How can you look like Stephen Lang and Willie Nelson? <laughs> well, I have a little quiz for you guys. Oh. Now, here's a little quiz. Can you name the two Squirrel films? Squirrel Girl. Uh, no, I'm sure it's not Squirrel Girl. Man. Name the two films that Mr. Stephen Lang has appeared in about serial killers. Now, Ooh. not that he played a serial killer, but the movies are about serial killers. I'm There's two a, of them. I'm going to take a take wild a guess. Step. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer 2. No, that is <laughs> not right. I know somebody took over the role of, uh, in that one. But. Uh, one of them is called, anybody? The Hard Way? Chud? The Hard Way. Hard Way with Michael J. Fox. And then the other one is Manhunter, which oh, was oh, based man. on the novel yeah. Red Dragon. Yeah. The Hard Way is not a horror movie. No. I, it's a porn. Just scary to watch. I do not know. I didn't do my research on that. What's that? Who did he play in Manhunter? Do you guys know? Oh, God. I don't I'll know. find that out. You can All right. We will yeah. go. Next up, let's wish a very happy birthday to Mr. Will Ferrell, who turns 48, right. but can play hey. anywhere from naked to shirtless. He's so naked and shirtless in so many movies. <laughs> He's got that curly body hair. Uh, he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. He wants you all to enjoy it. <laughs> he became interested in performing while a student in high school. And, Paul, I thought you would find this funny. He got interested by doing the school's morning announcements. Uh, we so both, did I. So did I. The arsonist had the oddly shaped feet. We've all done morning announcements. And whenever um, Good Morning Vietnam was out, did you do Good Morning Vietnam? Of course. Vietnam? That too. Actually, yeah, it's because of Good Morning Vietnam that I started <laughs> doing the announcements. announcements. <laughs> Just saying. We could all be Will Ferrell. So I have another quiz for you. Now, this one is based on The Godfather. Now, okay. Will... Okay. Will has played the son of which two Godfather cast members? Oh, now the son, the son in other, in, movies. In, in other movies. Will Ferrell's father oh, has okay. been in the Godfather movies. There's two different actors. Okay, so he Was plays he? the son of Al Pacino, or or it would be like that, but that's or not any it. any actor in the Godfather in Elf, okay. for example. Oh. Eight Bogota? No, no, that's uh, James Con. James Con, right? Con, right. All right, that's the idea. So the other one Luke was Brazzi? from. Kicking and screaming. Oh, it's Duvall. This is Duvall. Duvall, Duvall. Yes. Oh. That one's a little harder because who saw kicking and screaming? Not I. Said Seriously, no one did. All right, and lastly, I always. Talia Shire. I'm. I don't know if you know this, Marcus, but I love me some Bill Murray. He's absolutely my favorite. Love Bill Murray. So I always try to figure out if people have been in movies with Bill Murray. And so Will Ferrell, believe it or not, has been in a movie with Bill Murray. Can you guys guess what it is? This one's tricky because it's an uncredited role. 
Everything Must Go? No, that's a good <laughs> guess. My guess is Bill Murray was uncredited. No, no? Bill Murray's the lead, oh. and Will Ferrell yells out, Ernie, you're the man. Oh. And in this movie, Bill Murray's hair starred Kingpin? just as, yes, oh. in Kingpin. Oh. Kingpin. So what happened is it's during the final scene where Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson's characters are both going toe-to-toe to win okay. the championship. Bill Murray's hair is all kinds of crazy, and he gets the strike, and that's when Will Ferrell yells out, Ernie, you're the man. I just uh, <laughs> enjoy that for my own sake. And go. lastly... It's like a little Costner and Night Shift moment. Oh, yeah, because he was... Wait, I'm thinking of the dead body and uh, Costner was a frat when guy he was a frat shift, guy right? in yeah. Night Shift, right? Now, uh, now, Bart, you know how much I love when celebrities sing. This is true. People ask me, "Hey, can you tell me something interesting about Karen?" Can you? She loves when celebrities sing. I do. I love when celebrities sing. <laughs> Just one thing. Just one thing. Been gone for a while. Why say two? I thought. We'll talk about it later. Did, did you find Marcus singing somewhere? I looked. I <laughs> looked. It's a date. I looked. Are you, he's going to sing right now, live. He's going to sing Willie Nelson. Uh, I have a little something here of uh, Leather and Lace being performed by Will Ferrell and David Grohl as a benefit performance hmm. for 826LA.org. Oh. So here they are going to sing a little Leather and Lace for us. And that is Dave Grohl playing the guitar. Yeah, we could tell. Is love so fragile? <laughs> and the heart so hollow. Uh, Stephen Lang played Freddie Lounds in Manhunter. Freddie Lounds? I don't, I don't know, know what that is. character is. It's been a while since I saw him. I just saw him in a movie the other day with Gene Hackman. And don't ask me what that was. Oh, no. Gene Hackman's in it. It's automatically worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. He looked like a different human being. It doesn't look he like transitioned. Yeah, he'll like, totally like, change. Yeah. Although most of the time, I, I, when I picture Stephen Lang, I picture him dirty. Tombstone, Gettysburg, they're all just filthy. He was very you know, clean and Exeter. All over him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was on a TV show on Fox, too, where he was just dead. He played a homeless guy. Yeah, I just picture him all filthy. He's good so at you filthy. picture him as being stinky. He's Is that what stinky. you're saying? Yeah. He looks like he smells. Yeah. <laughs> so happy birthday to him. He smells really happy good. So happy yeah, birthday to him. He looks like he smells. So happy birthday to him. That wraps the show cast, everybody. Together with the movie guys individually, we are Caius. Follow us on Twitter at the Movie Guys for daily jokes and links. Also, Facebook.com slash the Movie Guys, iTunes, Vimeo, YouTube, Funny or Die, Vine, Instagram, SoundCloud, all that. Thank you to Marcus Nispel. Thanks, Marcus. If you have DirecTV, check out Exeter. Look for it yeah. in theaters in August. Is there a social media? Do you do any of that stuff? I'm on Facebook. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, you are. It's, it's a right. tweenish thing to do. It is. <laughs> on Facebook. And Ray Scalacci, thanks for coming. Hey, by. thanks, Ray. Thanks for telling for the world about Exeter. I'm glad yeah. it finally got made it to uh, where everybody can see it. Uh, and thanks to Steve Scholes for his writing contributions to the show every week. And as always, we owe everything to Pat Peach. Pat Peach! Next Wouldn't week, be here uh, we'll be back with Pixels and Paper Towns to talk about. And a Robot Jocks Blu-ray release celebration with Stuart Gordon in studio. Yeah. Which is gonna be Stuart right. Gordon! It's going to be fantastic. Come on back, and we will see you then. Robot Jocks. I need you to love me. You live in the house? <laughs> 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 <laughs>